This Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's going to get out of here as a lovely lady's purse. Welcome, Jacob. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, I'm just putting this fur back on. Come on, man. <laughs> fur? I don't know. Aelids, <laughs> what have you done now? <laughs> you didn't do anything. Are you sure? Claims she didn't do anything. What'd you get into that's got fur coming back? I have no idea. It just itches every once in a while and it just all back all the time. <laughs> you sure you didn't do anything, Big I'm not necessarily blaming you, but I've, you know, a boy who cried wolf kind of thing going on right here. It's you have turned him into enough animals over the course of the past year. Admittedly, you're my first guest. <laughs> Oh, that's fair, huh? Okay. You want to, while we're, while we're uh, reviewing the show, you want to uh, give him a scan and find out what's going on with, with the, with the, uh, the fur thing he's got going yeah. on? Yeah. All right. Anywho, Jacob? <laughs> Why, thank you. And let me use our co-host, a man who is hoping to get out of, get out of one of, one of the villain's cages without the lizard messing everything up again. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> I'm lost on that one, actually. Good night. That guy was Jar Jar before Jar Jar. <laughs> yes. Oh, my word. Except, surprisingly enough, much like Jar Jar, he grows on you after a while. Which that is, is true. Scary. That is true. The thing is, he grows on you like a mold. <laughs> that is true so before we do anything happy st patrick's day everyone yes that's we're why we're both wearing green yes even, look even dila over here is in the, in the corner is wearing green of course she wears that all the time yeah that's her natural that's, that's her shade but anyway <laughs> uh jacob how are you doing this evening man i'm doing good it's it's been a very long week oh my gosh like it's one of those weeks where we're like, you know, work is slow, and so you find yourself doing everything possible to keep yourself busy. Uh, believe me, I get that. That's kind of been my week. Uh, uh yeah, like going, uh, going different places and forgetting, not said forgetting you forgot where you went, but uh, it's it's been one of those weeks, people. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks. It's 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 spring break. Yeah, it's spring break. I, which, surprisingly, which is, which is neither cool. one of us are in school. You at least I can see how spring break would mess with you because you got all those high schoolers working up there with you. So I get that. Right, right. Which but... can be very interesting. Uh, me and my girlfriend, yeah. Ashley, love you. Uh, we went to uh, Lufkin on yes. Tuesday. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, we went to went to the zoo, went to this place called Roast uh, Restaurant. Roast. Roast. You sure it's not Roost? No, it's Roast. Well, then I read it wrong on Facebook. You no, know, I probably wrote it wrong on Facebook. It said I thought it said roost. R O O S T. Yeah, roost. It's like, yeah, you said roast a second ago. Like what you do to coffee. <laughs> I don't know. I I I <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Either or. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, you're totally welcome. 
Yeah, so we we went to Lufkin, which is about an hour away from where we live, and uh, had fun. Had fun. Be like, I, I think our relationship's gonna get. Uh, me and Ashley's relationship's getting uh, a lot deeper. Let's say that. Let's go deeper. Right. Uh, so yes, uh, a lot of our stuff. I think we went to a. I feel so stupid when I can't remember something. But you didn't post it on Facebook, so I no, can't add it. No, I, I saw didn't. you went to a zoo, and then you went to the roost roast. Yeah, roost roast. <laughs> Past that, I couldn't tell you where you went that day. Oh my god, I had to work. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I took that day. I took that day off because obviously Ashley's a teacher, right? And right. she be like, we decided to be like, hey, let's just do something. And yeah, that's what we took. That's what we decided. And um, yeah, I think we're actually like as a group as singles, we're gonna go to a we're museum. museum tomorrow in Bullard. Yeah, Bazaar in Bullard, which is another like yeah. fifteen minutes away. Technically, from we were we went there two years ago, but the singles group's going again. I'm primarily going for the fellowship, <laughs> right? Because I've been there before, right? But still, at least we're not gonna be forced to go to Chipotle. <laughs> love Car- you, Carrie. Carrie. If you're listening to this, we love you. We are just glad to actually be able to choose where we eat lunch tomorrow. Because <laughs> Chipotle went bad. No, it was not my first choice and not a choice I want to make again soon. Right. <laughs> but I've heard people say really, really good things about Chipotle. I just. Well, like, we both yeah. ate there. Yeah. During COVID. Right. Which meant we had to go in wearing masks and just barely take them off long enough to eat. And then we had to put them back on again. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Yeah, thanks, COVID. Anyway, so that's been my week. Uh, I know me and Ashley did something over the over the weekend. I know that. I'm not recalling exactly what we did. I know we went to. Oh, it was we, your date weekend. So that's like every right. Weekend. That's every so. weekend. We do we do something over the weekend. I think we went to a. We went to we went walking. We went to uh, yeah, Tyler State Park. State Park. We went yeah. to Tyler State Park. Thank you. Went to Tyler State. Had a great time. Uh, trails are great um had a picnic it was great we ca- uh canoeing we canoeing not canoeing huh. but uh oh, yeah. paddle boat paddle boat paddle boat paddle boat should have been well i don't think they have canoes there anymore no they do never mind then you should have canoeing yeah that was interesting because there again ashley does peloton which is cycling and i okay, do walking yeah. running so, so it yeah, was, y'all got good leg muscles yes i'm now granted my legs were burning by the end of it she was like yeah because it's a it's a different set of muscles than walking exactly pieces. but yeah I knew I'd finally get there, but uh, so yeah, that's what I've been doing currently and looking forward to the weekend. Definitely next weekend where me and Ashley yeah. or we'll be going to a stars game in Dallas to watch the Zamboni. No, that's my joke. <laughs> that uh, is your joke. <laughs> well, how, what have you, how are you doing? I Josh? had a normal week, dude. <laughs> I streamed a game Monday as I have been doing. Uh, True. I've been watching like different shows We'll talk, talk about later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but pretty much, I had a normal week. Okay, fair. So why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section of our review of yes. uh, Rescuers Down Under. Hey. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. I can't tell you which viewing this is. Oh, gosh. Because as, this was one of those movies that... Grandpa recorded off of Disney Channel for me on a VHS mm-hmm. that uh, was bootlegged down to where I was because we didn't have Disney Channel at the mm-hmm. time. And it was one of those... Okay, you remember recorded VHSs. Oh, absolutely. 
you remember that speed uh, i think it was like slt yeah where you crammed six hours of video oh yeah onto a vhs tape that mm -hmm. is only really rated well, two mm -hmm. hours and in order for it to do that it like cranks the quality of that video down to well we wouldn't stand for it today <laughs> that is true <laughs> Like cranks it all the way down like two forty uh, interlaced. Yeah, if that. Yeah, dude, that, that's uh, how, that's, that's how I originally watched this film. That's how I originally watched Star Wars and yeah, recorded um, off television exactly. And the only reason my copy of uh, Rescuers Done Under didn't have commercials is because Disney Channel didn't show commercials in the middle of the movies back then. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, because it was the late eighties. That's late true. 80s early 90s mm -hmm. so and they didn't start really doing that till uh 95 i think mm. i don't know i didn't have disney channel until i was in the 2000s fair but either way mm -hmm. so yeah i can't tell you how many times i watch this i can tell you that most of my viewings prior prior like i said was on the slt setting on that vcr mm -hmm. on a 19 maybe no 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 the biggest TV i would have watched on was a 32 inch crt wow four by three yeah uh, and I say all that to point out that even at that, all that, uh, handicap yeah. at the time, because that's just what life was at the time. I, I'm not complaining about yeah. it, just how things were. Right. Uh, I was blown away by the animation of this movie. This, I think, is the movie that is the first movie I watched after we got a VCR that had the frame by frame option. Mm-hmm that I turned that on and would watch whole sequences one frame at a time to oh, see all really? the individual mm -hmm. drawings, especially on the crazier sequences like, uh, uh, well, that opening sequence. Yeah. Oh or, my God. Yeah. Uh, the, or, or many of Wilbur's flights. Yes. And, you know, things like oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but this would have been the one that got me doing that and probably yeah. is what made me. Yeah. It, it took me from, Oh, I'm a kid. I'm watching cartoons because they're colorful. To being, this is cool. Yeah, this is. I am. I love this. This is fascinating and probably put me into at least having a low key interest in animation. Yeah. For years until you suggested the podcast. Yeah. You know that's just when we dove head first into this. Five years and later. learned and learned all about this stuff. Yes. Um. <laughs> so yeah, this is literally a one of my favorite movies as a kid uh there were other movies from this time i know i watched mm -hmm. that i know i watched incessantly because if you only have a certain number of movies recorded on at mm -hmm. on those little like vhs's you just watch them till they rot the tape rots yeah which i did because mm -hmm. <laughs> i was a kid and mm -hmm. you know there's just nothing on tv right. in the middle of the day for a four-year-old to watch mm -hmm. at that time right this was before the age of nick juniors and disney juniors and yeah all the other preschool mm -hmm. channels that would have been cb nuts would have been cbs would have been cbs i don't know i'm i'm listing cable channels oh okay well never mind like cbs was where you got like barney and that kind of stuff well, that was pbs pbs Thank i you, watched then. i know i watched sesame street and some episodes of barney back in the day I think, yeah i think i was really grown out of barney by the time he came on the scene but i know i saw some episodes yeah 
before I really graduated into Muppets. Uh, oh, okay. Because I've seen Muppet Babies, which we both know your opinion on that. Right, right. They're, but they're, uh, real they're Muppets. again. They're real Muppets. Yeah, yeah, real Muppets. Now, granted, you say um, uh, Barney. Be like, I remember watching Barney as like a real small kid. I was like, this is stupid. I was probably like four or five years old. This is stupid. Oh, yeah. Muppet, Barney was Muppet, stupid. Yeah, Barney was stupid. The, be the best thing to come out of Barney was the Animaniacs making fun of it. That is true. That the is baloney. A <laughs> I remember that. Oh my gosh. But, anyways, but yeah, just be like Muppet Babies. I remember watching as a kid. I think I've spoken here before about it. Uh, I didn't have to like it because I had a different opinion about children back then because they're when I was a kid and I didn't like little kids because I found I found them really annoying. Now as an adult, I have a completely different opinion about that. So I think watching Muppet Babies again as an adult perspective might change my perspective on it. Admittedly, I was a little confused there because I missed that you were talking about Muppet Babies. Yes. I was thinking, there's no, there's only one kid in this entire film. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Because this doesn't sound like Cody. <laughs> no, it's not Cody. But either Cody, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this when we get into the full review. But good night, Cody lives a charmed life. Yes, for a kid who lives in the outback. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes. Do you have anything else to add before we drop the spoiler yeah. warning? Yes. Uh, Other than this is a great movie and this, you should watch it. This, this is a fantastic film. This is a film that I watched as a child because my mother made sure we be like one of the one of the big things she was always it's like you're going to get Disney films like every year. Disney films every year. So we got the clamshell Disney films every year on VHS. And uh, Rescuers Down Under was one of them. Mm -hmm. We didn't watch the Rescuers before. Be like we watched Rescuers Down Under then Rescuers. And uh, I absolutely yeah, I, love I know I, this movie. I know I watched Rescuers, the first one, on a bootleg VHS also, but it was years after I'd seen, I had already learned the ins and outs of this movie by watching it incessantly. Yes. And let's just both be honest right here, right now. This movie is ten times better than The Rescuers. Agreed. Just putting that out there right now. Yes. Just the simple fact that our villain is not aping another villain. This villain actually caused other villains that came after it to ape him. True. More on that later. Yeah, there's there's sim and, and let me put it this way. If you are a 90s kid and you all know all the good 90s uh Disney villains mm -hmm. from uh Gaston to Clayton, mm -hmm. they're all based on this guy. Yeah. McLeach. On George, on, Mc, on McLeach. On McLeach. They are all McLeach in and, different and, forms. And, and, and similarities, yes. They are all, they, this was the guy that started the trend. Yeah. I th Good I th night. Can you imagine Little Mermaid if it had come out after this and they had, and they, they tried to put a McLeach like character into that? Who would it be? It wouldn't have worked because it Ursula is the villain. But Ursula, anyway. Yeah, Ursula is just like, like you've heard, be like, if you listen to our review on uh the little mermaid go check it out if you haven't but uh yeah ursula as a character is a very menacing character now mcleach on their hand is a whole different <laughs> ball game <laughs> let's get into it before i say some spoilers how about yes. that yes go watch this film it's amazing you can watch Indeed. it on bus yes the following is a spoiler filled review for the movie the rescuers down under listener discretion is advised Outie, outie, outie. That's right. This started that long before Toy Story did it. <laughs> yes, it did. 
I broke him. The Rescuers <laughs> Down Under was directed by Hendel Batoy and Mike Gabriel. Hendel Batoy also directed the Pines of Rome and P Piano Concerto number two segments of Fantasia 2000. Hmm. And Mike Gabriel went on to direct Pocahontas. Nice. It was also written by Jim Cox, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Byron Simpson, and Joe Ranfi. And of course, based on characters created by Marjorie Sharp for her books, The Rescuers and Miss Bianca. Yes. Getting into the cast, we've got Bob Newhart as Bernard. And in the movie Elf, he played Papa Elf. Eva Gabor played Miss Bianca. And in Green Acres, she played Lisa Douglas. John Candy played Wilbur. And in the movie Spaceballs, he played Barf. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take much to get him sometimes. No, it doesn't. All I had to do was say Barf. Just the character. Just the character of Barf. He's half man, half dog. Oh, I'm a mom. I'm my own best Poor friend. friend. For those of you in the audio version, <laughs> I am now presenting my friend Jacob as a example. <laughs> You're not helping here. I had to do a dog thing somewhere because there's not a dog in this film. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? This guy. This guy. Tristan <laughs> Rogers plays Jake. And in the soap opera General Hospital, he played Robert Scorpio. Oh, okay. Adam Ryan was the voice of Cody. And in Child's Play 2, oh, he played Rick Spires. Hmm. George C. Scott was the voice of McLeach. And in Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, oh, he played Smoke. <laughs> The villain. He did play. That. He did play the yes. villain. That's right. Yeah. So if if you want to go listen to that one, it's on what Retro Rewind. Yeah, Retro Rewind. I, no, that hasn't released yet. Oh, it hasn't. Been they released have not yet. released that episode yet. Oh, okay, so wait off and hear that one. Listen for that one. But uh, also, he played Patton in Patton. Ah, uh, that's Just to right. throw something else people know. He's yeah. also in uh, Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Can't remember his name though. <laughs> but anyway. Wayne Robson played Frank, and uh, he was Mike Hammer on the Red Green Show. No idea what that is. I need to introduce you to the Red Green Show. Okay. Douglas Seal played Krebs, and he was the Sultan in Aladdin. Ah, okay. And our good buddy Frank Welker plays Joanna. <laughs> and he also plays another character. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, then. I'm assuming I know what you're referring to. Yep, 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 yep. Either way, in the most recent internet travesty known as Velma, Blah. he played William Jones, a.k.a. Fred's dad. Blasphemy. <laughs> but moving on from that, our Kingdom Hearts connections. Oh, good. Starting with Frank Welker. Uh, he was also in Kingdom Hearts. He played Experiment 221, a.k.a. Sparky, <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts. Chris Sanders, speaking of Stitch, <laughs> eh? uh, in this, he was a storyboard artist. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. And, of course, he plays Stitch in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I do remember reading that, yes. Yes. Last but not least, Russy Taylor. Russy Taylor, okay. Played the nurse mice in this film. 
Oh, that's oh my gosh! Yes, and she is Queen Minnie Mouse in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yes, the modern voice of Minnie Mouse played a bunch of Minnie mice who wanted the torture who Wilbur. Who torture Wilbur? <laughs> Which Wilbur. when you recognize that and you watch that scene, you can't see Minnie Mouse aim loading a <laughs> shotgun with tranquilizers. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. <laughs> Poor Wilbur. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of the cast list in Kingdom Hearts right. Connections. What do we have in info and stuff All right, so on this horribly underrated film? Agreed. So IMDb has a 6.8 out of 10. Come on, people. It's just better than this. Um, you can be able to watch it on Disney Plus. Produce, it was production was with Silver Screen Partners mm-hmm. 4. I think this was one of the last ones Disney had to do with Silver Screen. Yes, one of the very last ones they did. Uh, Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Feature Animation, distributed by Bonavista Pictures distribution, 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 distribution. Thank you. I get tongue tied quite a bit. Admittedly, Buena Vista Distribution is a tongue twister, even for those of us who don't normally get tongue tied. That is true. That is so true. Uh, Speaking of tongue twisters, that sentence I just said. (laughs) Yes, you did. Uh, Released originally on November November 16, 1990, box office had an estimated budget of $30 million. Its opening week week, uh, for the U.S. and Canada was $27.9 million. It's uh, no correction. I read that wrong. Scratch that. Uh, Opening week for U.S. and Canada was $3.4 million million dollars on november 18th 1990 hmm. it's gross for united states and for the rest of the world apparently was 27.9 million dollars so it did not do well financially that's a shame yes and apparently you're probably gonna get in this in the trivia later but um this was the reason most of the uh sequel films mm-hmm. that came out in the 90s were yeah. straight to home video yeah, was because how poorly this yes. film did as the really the first sequel film yes it is actually one of the first sequel films that disney ever did and went to this theater. is the first yeah it is you're right it is the first you're right all right so in home release the rescuers down under was released in the walt disney collection video series on september 20th 1991 in a pan scan transfer while the tra- while the rescuers was released on VHS almost a year later in ni- in 1992 unlike the original film however the rescuers down there did not include did not include in the was not included in the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection line but both the home video releases went to uh, let's see, that was released in 1993. It was originally released. Uh, the VHS uh, edition sold 5.8 million units in the United States, generating seven, seven, $72.8 million in revenue. Uh, launching in, two, in 2000, uh, January 2000, the Walt Disney Home Video began the gold, uh, gold Classic Collection with the Rescuers Down Under reissued on VHS and DVD on August 1st of 2000. The DVD contained the film in the 1.6 aspect ratio, enhanced with a 6.9 television sets and 4, 4.0 uh, surround sound. 
and included uh, special features with a storybook and trivia about animals in the outback. Uh, the Rescue Down Under was released alongside the Rescuers in a Blu-ray in a two-movie uh, collection on August 21st, 2012 in, in conjunction with the, the first film's 35th anniversary in the United States. So, sequels. A third film was planned for 1996, but after the death of Eva Gabor, Eva Gabor, all all future rescue films were Ava, Ava Gabor, Ava Gabor, Ava Gabor, because it's like a Vangelion. Yeah, Ava Gabor. After her passing, all film, all future rescue rescuers films were scrapped. Near the third, the third film uh, wanted to uh, revive or replace. Uh, the late uh, the the voice of Miss Bianca producers wanted to wanted to have all the original voice actors for the rescues from 1977 reprise their roles for the sequel. So obviously we're never going to get if if Disney doesn't do anything in the next couple of years. But like yeah, we're never going to get a sequel. Admittedly, I don't think we're ever get a sequel, even with like most the only two that are left. Mm-hmm. Are Bob Newhart and now no John Candy's past had John Candy's best we couple so several really, years ago. Bob Newhart's about the only quote unquote cast member from this that's left. Yeah, except for uh major Frank, cast member. Yeah. I think George C. Scott's still around, but hmm. either way, he's the character's dead, so he can't come back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. It, it it would be interesting. I, I would love to see this. I actually, I actually think that they could do something really cool in, in Kingdom Hearts with the, with these characters. I agree. I agree. I, I think Sora being the kid in that instance. I think if Disney did something, be like you know Drew from the Vault as it used to be called, and do something like a television series based off the rescue. Oh yeah, with, and just get a whole new cast at this point. Yeah, I think that I actually would not be surprised if not long after. Bob Newhart does pass, mm-hmm. which is going to be in the next 10 years, if we're being honest. Yeah. I would not be surprised if someone decides, hey, do you remember that Rescuer show? That's about long enough. We could probably reintroduce that as a whole new TV series on Disney Plus or something and yeah. do this cool thing. So there's a lot of us of this age mm-hmm. that we actually do like the Rescuers. Yes. It's just, it was not something that the parents apparently wanted to go see at the time because they remembered the original. Mm-hmm. film and Which uh, apparently did very well in theaters right but it was because that was at the first one was like in the right before the dark ages really hit bad yeah, 77 yeah this is at the end this is at the very very beginning like one movie removed yeah from go. the start of the disney renaissance yeah because technically the first one is little mermaid yes this is technically the second film but it's usually not included with that because people forget it. Yeah. Which in all how, honesty, how can you forget this film? It's amazing. It's, an, it's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, getting into the summary mm-hmm. in the Australian outback, a young boy named Cody rescues and befriends a rare golden Eagle named Marahute who shows him her nest and eggs and gives him one of her feathers. Later on, he falls into an animal trap set by Percival C. McLeach, a local poacher wanted by the Australian Rangers who has killed Marahute's mate. Realizing Cody has Marahute's feather and must know her location, McLeach kidnaps the boy and throws his backpack to a float of crocodiles. The rangers find it and believe that Cody has been eaten. The mouse who was the bait in the trap 
hurries to an outpost from which a telegram is sent to the Rescue Aid Society headquarters in the United Nations, New York City. Bernard and Miss Bianca, the RAS's elite field agents, are assigned to the mission, interrupting Bernard's attempts to propose marriage to Miss Bianca. They go find Orville the Albatross, who aided them before, and meet his brother Wilbur, who flies them to Australia. There they meet Jake, a hopping mouse, who is the RAS's local regional operative. I don't think that's true, but we'll get back on that. I think he has some kind of connection with the RAS. As far as I can tell, he's uh, he, he operates the airport that Wilbur has to fly into and then agrees to help because he's trying to show off to Miss Bianca. Yeah, but then he has like he has knowledge of the RAS. You know, I, all the mice know who the RAS is in this world. Okay, then. <laughs> Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if every animal but the everyone but the humans know about it because every human every kid they come across does not know who these people are that is true anyway jake becomes infatuated with bianca and flirts with her much to bernard's dismay he serves as their tour guide and protector in search of the boy wilbur accidentally bends his spinal column out of shape trying to help them so Jake sends him to the hospital, an old ambulance. Mm -hmm. Wilbur refuses to undergo surgery, but his back is straightened as he fights to escape the medical mice. He flies off in search of his friends. At McLeach's hideout, Cody is imprisoned with a number of captured animals after refusing to divulge Marahute's whereabouts. Cody attempts to free himself and the animals, but is thwarted by Joanna, McLeach's pet Goanna. Realizing that protecting Marahute's eggs is Cody's weak spot, McLeach McLeach tri tricks Cody into thinking someone else killed Marahute and releases him, knowing that Cody will go back to the nest. Bernard, Bianca, and Jake arrive as McLeach departs in his half-track after Cody. The three hitch a ride on the vehicle and warn Cody upon arriving at the nest, but McLeach captures Cody, Marahute, Jake, and Bianca. McLeach then sends Joanna to eat Marahute's eggs, but Bernard, Bernard manages to trick her using egg-shaped stones. Wilbur arrives at the nest and... Bernard leaves Wilbur to sit on the real eggs while Bernard goes after McLeach. McLeach takes his captives to Crocodile Falls, a huge waterfall at the edge of the river he threw Cody's backpack into. He ties Cody up and hangs him over the float of crocodiles intent on feeding Cody to them to eliminate him as a witness. Bernard, riding a wild razorback pig he tamed using a horse whispering technique he learned from Jake, arrives and disables McLeach's vehicle before he can succeed. McLeach then attempts to shoot the rope holding Cody above the water, but Bernard tricks Joanna into crashing into McLeach, sending both of them into the water. The crocodiles turn their attention to McLeach and Joanna behind them. Cody falls into the water as the damaged rope breaks. As Joanna flees to the bank, McLeach fends off and taunts the crocodiles, forgetting about the waterfall until it is too late. He tries to swim to shore, but is washed over the edge to his death. Bernard dives into the water and holds Cody long enough for Jake and Bianca to free Marakute, mm -hmm. allowing the eagle to save Cody and Bernard just as they go over the waterfall. Bernard, desperate to prevent any further interruptions, proposes to Bianca. She immediately <laughs> accepts, and while Jake salutes him with newfound respect, safe at last, the group departs for Cody's home. Meanwhile, Wilbur is still sitting on Marakute's eggs. They hatch, and one of the eagles bites him <laughs> to his dismay. Hey. Getting into the trivia for this one. This was Eva Gabor's last mm -hmm. film before her death in 1995. A third rescuers mill film was planned for 1996, but after her death, all future rescuers movies 
were scrapped, neither the third film reviving nor replacing the voice of Miss Bianca. The producers wanted to have all the voice actors from The Rescuers 1977 reprise their roles for the sequel. However, in the original, Orville the Albatross was voiced by Jim Jordan, who died two years before the film was released. The producers didn't want to replace Jordan, so Orville was replaced with the character's brother, Wilbur, voiced by John Candy. This is a, actually a reference to the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, mm -hmm. the inventors and pilots of the first functional airplane. Mm -hmm. This was the first 100% digital feature film ever made. Yes. The animation and backgrounds were done traditionally, but all of the coloring, many effects, and the final film printing was all done digitally. This was the first film produced completely with Disney's Academy Award-winning CAPS production system developed for the film. I say completely because there are parts of uh, Little Mermaid that used CAPS. It did. It cuts the production time for an animated movie down by at least six months, mm -hmm. which is amazing in and of itself. And I think the, the actual first use of cap system was probably uh, uh, Baker Bass. What is it? Oh, uh, the Great Mouse Attack? Yes. Yes. That, that was uh, I think that if you're talking about the, the CG parts there in the clock, yeah. maybe. But from what I understand on that, the, uh, the clock gears and such were all done uh, vector vector wise yeah and then was just was colored manually that's right that's so right. it didn't actually use the caps system or if it did it was very very minimally yeah i think it was but the first one minimal. where they actually it was little went, did like entire full scenes or entire sequence in, yeah. in within the cap system was little mermaid yeah the stairwell scene the stairwell scene yeah this the whole movie is done doing that mm -hmm. except for like the backgrounds i think it said yeah the backgrounds that, are done you can tell traditional. the backgrounds are painted yeah they're traditional but that being said, the flying scenes with Marhute were inspired by the films of Hayao Miyazaki, which typically feature elaborate aerial scenes. That makes sense. McLeach okay. would serve as inspiration for several later Disney villains for years, including Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas, Clayton from Tarzan, and Commander Rourke from Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Disney's first theatrical animated sequel this would later carry on with fantasia 2000 in 1999 mm -hmm. return to neverland in 2002 the jungle book 2 in 2003 ralph breaks the internet in 2018 and frozen 2 in 2019 mm -hmm. with the rest of the sequels would be straight to video tristan rogers is the only actual australian voice actor in the film as the voice of jake which except for cody makes sense yeah as almost everyone else is american yeah but oh except for mcleach jake and cody technically are all australian so it would have made sense if they were australian and if you're casting mm -hmm. but then we would not get george c scott as mcleach that is true <laughs> but that man was did an amazing job in this movie yeah but also you get to think about uh uh cody's mom yeah cody's mom she's mm -hmm. she's apparent that she's not australian either apparently the actress, not the actress didn't <laughs> She did a really good job. Oh, yeah. My opinion. Adam Ryan, the boy who voiced Cody, mm -hmm. also dubbed the same character in his native Norwegian. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Norwegian. Yeah, that's right. On its initial release, the film was preceded by the Mickey Mouse short subject, mm -hmm. The Prince and the Pauper, 1990. Interestingly enough, this was only the second Mickey Mouse short made since the 1950s, with the first being Mickey's Christmas Carol in 1983, uh -huh. which was made to accompany the 1983 re-release of The Rescuers. Hmm. 
the twisted version of Home on the Range, and uh, you get a line and I'll get a poll, mm-hmm. that McLeish sings was not performed by George C. Scott. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was instead sung by the voice of Joanna, Frank <laughs> Welker. <laughs> of course. And you know what? He did an amazing job because you can't tell. No, you can't. <laughs> In both places, like you sound just like George C. Scott. And then, if George C. Scott can sing, I have no idea if he can. And then you get uh, Frank Walker does it again, but in The Lion King. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you're talking about the one that replaces uh, Scar. Yeah. No, that's uh, Jim Cummings. Okay, never mind. It's Jim Cummings. Never mind. You, I always get those two act, those two amazing voice actors mixed up. Megatron <laughs> and. Darkwing Duck, you confuse sometimes. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> not getting back into that. <laughs> this film, along with Tarzan in 1999, are the only films released during the Disney Renaissance to not be musicals, and is the sixth Disney animated feature film not to be a musical. Although it is worth mentioning that McLeach and Wilbur both sing incidental songs, while none of the uh, sing incidental songs. While none of the characters in Bambi, 1942, 101 Dalmatians, 1961, except for uh, uh, the guy, uh, the Pongo's uh, owner. Oh. Can't think of the, the, oh, the uh, character's uh, name. Either way, him. Yeah. Because he sings in that, obviously, because he, he sings does. Cruella de Bill. And the great mouse detective, mm-hmm. except for Radigan and his tug minions. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Because I was watching that Vincent earlier. Price yes. singing is. A, I'm looking forward to that rewind episode. That's yes. all I'm saying. Yes. There's a reason that that song has since ended up on my phone. <laughs> you know, goodbye so soon until we meet yeah. again. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the least successful film released during the Disney Renaissance mm-hmm. and the only one to not reach $100 million in its opening weekend after it only grossed 27 million nine hundred thirty-one thousand four hundred sixty-one that weekend's box office disney executive jeffrey katzenberger pulled all television advertisements for the film katzenberger actually it's just katzenberg i don't know why i said katzenberger anyway maybe he's hungry <laughs> the film opened on the same weekend as another feature film starring john candy home alone Yes. Which went on to gross more than 10 times what the Rescuers Down Under did. The financial failure discouraged Disney from releasing subsequent non-computer animated sequels in theaters, although there have been exceptions to this role, such as Fantasia 2000 in 1999, Peter Pan 2 Return to Neverland in 2002, and The Jungle Book 2 in 2003. This is the first animated film to have the appearance of multi-plane shots with the use of computer layering and formatting as opposed to manually producing the shots with multi-plane cameras. Yes. Previous Disney films had no multiple plane shots or only two plane shots. At one hour and 17 minutes, this is the shortest film of the Disney Renaissance. Of all the things McLeach calls Joanna as an insult, such as a four-legged python, Mm -hmm. salamander, etc., he never once refers to her by her actual species name, a goanna. Mm-hmm. a monitor lizard found in australia and southeast asia he even simply says joanna eggs to her at the part where she steals his eggs mm-hmm. early drafts of the film originally had percival c mcleach get eaten and mauled by a pack of dingoes 
I would have paid to see that. <laughs> but this idea was scrapped from the film due to its graphic nature. No, no kidding. <laughs> the Come same on, is also said for an alternate death scene in Beauty and the Beast, 1991, for Gaston. Although this concept did what would end up being used later in The Lion King for Scar. <laughs> Last but not least. Bernard and Miss Bianca do not appear in the film until about 18 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. Bear in mind, this film's only an hour and 18 minutes long. Yes. So they're only in the movie for an hour. Mm -hmm. And they don't interact with Cody, the boy they're trying to rescue, until about 56 minutes into the film. Yeah. It takes them a long time to get through the outback. Well, it's a big area. Yeah. That being said, that's the end of my trivia. All right. So one that I, I learned recently that it was a failed pitch for something we talked about in pre-show was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So apparently they were doing a pitch for what would later be a failed pitch for the rescue for Chippendale Rescue Rangers would have been that a actual rescue rescuers TV show kind of it would have spun off from it. Because right. apparently Bianca and Bernard would have been missing and the organization would have broken up. And so it was Chip and Dale. I think Bernard would have been in the original pilot where he would have helped them form the Rescue Rangers. Oh, that's so kind that, of an interesting idea, keeping everything interconnected. Exactly. But it was a it was a failed pilot idea. But it's interesting to know that they would have used the rescuers in some capacity. I wonder if there might have been some copyright issues with that concept also because uh, I don't think the book that this is all based on I think it was still so would have been within copyright during this time. It would have. So they would definitely have had to pay royalties for both the rescuers and the rescuers down under even though this the movie uh, down under is a more original production mm. and only use, uses the characters. Yeah. So they as a theory yeah a disney theory thanks mm -hmm. for listening we're going to continue into our first like which i'm giving to jacob go ahead the animation of this film oh, is breathtaking yes. oh my gosh because as as a kid watching this watching the opening shot to this entire film i'm yeah. like kind of like drew it's just like oh my gosh i'm sitting here indian style in front of my my i think my parents 20 inch television 25 inch television right right and it's like oh my gosh and it's like this is amazing and then I guarantee you, it was probably one of my brothers, my parents, like, Jacob, get your head out of the television. Because like, I did that a lot. you not see this? It's like it's 3D. Bear in mind, this was 1990. This was about as close to 3D animation as we'd gotten so far. Yeah. No, be like, it's, it's not Jaws 3D. No, this was... is, it's like the animation is not just two-dimensional pictures. Mm -hmm. Except it is. Exactly. <laughs> because it's, it's it's just, they did a lot better animating depth in this movie. Oh, yeah. Than really most movies before it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and also you look at like Marahute, who was, yeah. who was uh, animated, animated, or the key animator was uh, Glenn Keane. Yeah. And was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that you can tell that's Glenn Keane. That's definitely Glenn Keane. On Keen. that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but there's so many shots here where it's like, oh, you, you can almost tell someone said, oh, this new system can do that. Yeah, we've got to show that <laughs> off. Exactly. Like that first bit where you're 
you get this nice fade up. It's nice and calm. Mm -hmm. You see a grasshopper walking along a leaf. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. camera goes up. And we get this nice shot of, of this field of mm -hmm. what purple flowers. Yeah. With two mountains in the background. And it's like, <laughs> and you're just flying straight across mm -hmm. this entire field. Oh, yeah. And you, you're you looking at it and going, they couldn't have done this in The Little Mermaid. No, they couldn't have. <laughs> they couldn't have done this. No, then. like all of Mary's like flight huge, is amazing. This whole, this whole, you got to understand, as much as we like The Little Mermaid, mm -hmm. this is a huge step up in animation quality. Because they had the tools now to do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. You get this nice, cool thing. Yeah, you can tell, especially as much animation as we've watched. Yeah. And the age of the technology, this is still very primitive 3D. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of tell that that's computer-generated mountains. Yes. That they've painted to look nicer. Mm -hmm. But still, you get that whole thing where you're flying up on it. And then you can see the house. And it flies into the window of the house. And at no point does it ever... You ever have that moment where it, you can tell the quality dramatically increased because yeah. they were now making bigger pictures. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is the same vector image mm -hmm. just shrunk really small and they just made it bigger as the, to simulate the camera getting closer to it. So you never lose detail. True. And you never gain stupid detail that wouldn't make sense to show up. That's true. Sorry. No, you're the graphic good. designer in me exploded right when watching. <laughs> I, I can tell, this. and it does every time. It's like <laughs> jumping on top of that. Another moment, that shot of Miss Bianca in the truck as it drives away, and you see it go through the mesh of the cage. Oh yeah, as the thing goes off, and you get that nice little. Uh, it's not a parallax effect, but you mm. get that 3D, like you can see the depth move. Mm -hmm. And you get it's kind of a parallax effect, yeah, kind of. But that shot is like, oh my word! And Miss Bianca, while she is animated by the computer, she's still a two dimensional character in that shot. Mm -hmm. she, they did not try to three D her at all, no. So it it just looks so good. Mm -hmm. Oh man, there's so much, and the flying scenes, good night. The flying scenes, yes, and and to understand, be like, it's inspired by a by oh, Miyazaki. You, oh, that my, explains a lot. <laughs> Oh my word! If there's someone who knows how to animate flying. It's Miyazaki. Yes. And if they are eight, if they are, if someone studied Miyazaki enough to be able to produce this, good job. And also to think, be like, this is kind of a, it's uh, homaging the original homage because Miyazaki started doing it because he was so inspired by what Disney was doing. And then you go full circle yeah. with the rescuers, the rescuers down under, where they're being inspired by Miyazaki. Exactly. But well, all anime technically comes from Snow White. That is true. That is so true. It just does. It does. But anyway, agreed. So, like the animation in this film is in this. It's it's hard to describe sometimes. Be like there again, opening shots, Merhudi's flights, uh, a lot so of the many beautiful shots mm -hmm. agreed and perspective shots yeah the scenes where the mice are operating the oh my uh, gosh the computers at yes. pearl harbor yes to send the thing on to the national aids the, yeah, yeah the, those scenes yes. were amazing that they literally you could tell they drew it from one angle 
so that it would look correct. Yes. And then they moved the camera down uh-huh. so that it was be from the perspective of the mice doing it. And it's like, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, just, just to, you know, wrap it up. Be like, yeah, the gold. animation in this movie is gold. You say that, but this is my first like too. Uh, no kidding. So <laughs> this is like the main thing that stands out in this film. Yes. Is how this, this is the tech demo. Yeah, this is the tech demo of what the cap system could do. Mm-hmm. There was des- design decisions chosen in this film for no other reason than let's show off what the cap system can do. Mm-hmm. And but they made it work for the film. Yes, it, I agree. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The animation in this is just beautiful. Agreed. Breathtaking. You yeah. use any other adjective you want to. It's fan freaking fantastic. I want to see this film in a theater. Disney, make it happen. <laughs> Come on. This is the same reason I go anytime I find out that I, there's a Miyazaki film I've not seen or mm-hmm. not seen in a while yeah. that they're going to put in theaters for part of uh, Studio Ghibli Fest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how long has it been since I've seen Kiki's Delivery Service? <laughs> how long has it been since I've seen Porco Rosso? How long has it been since I've seen Princess Mononoke? Three years? Yeah, it's been enough time. Let's go watch Studio Ghibli in a theater. <laughs> if Disney does do that, Disney needs to do they that. Do I'm do sorry, that. but I mean, like, yeah, they they, from- they are the ones that pioneered that idea of re-releasing your old movies in a theater, and they've not done it since the '90s. Yes, which they need to revive that because it would be epic to see those like older films back in theaters. Yes, for our generation the generation before us and the generation after us. And plus, can you imagine seeing this film in the theater? Oh my gosh. Oh my word. Not, not, not no remastering, no 3d no, no, no. manipulation. Just put in the release. Take what you got on Disney plus, or maybe go back. I'm assuming that you've got the film somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just do an 8k scan, do a little minor cleanup, just enough mm-hmm. to get the dust particles off of there. Nothing. Right. Still leave the film grain. And put that in the theater, and I guarantee you we'll be going, oh, <laughs> look at that pretty colors. You'll, you'll be like, just buy b- drill, br- drill, drill, drill pants. Bibs, bibs for you know adults, because <laughs> you'll be fine. And you'll sell them, because we'll all be like, no. Because, I'm sorry. This film does, does stuff that the Disney Renaissance films after it don't do. Yeah, agreed. And it does that 10 times better than you think it would. Yeah. And that's what I wish we got in yeah. some of these labors. Don't get me wrong. Love Beauty and the Beast. Love The Lion King. Love Aladdin. Love every, love. I even like Pocahontas, even though it's been a hot minute since I've watched it. Yeah. All those 3D films, they all look good, but none of them ever do stuff that this film does. And it's because this film was showing off. Yeah, agreed. And Honestly, I want to see more films sh- show off a lot Fair. of times, as long as it makes sense Fair. as part of the story. Because, yeah, you know, I-, I hate to jump over your second, but this is a good segue. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. You're excited. It's so I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Because along with being a great, along with all the great animation, my second like is the fact that they didn't skimp on the story. No, they didn't. They did not. I mean, yeah. There's a little bit of a green let's all hug the hug the trees and animals and such look how horrible poaching is and makes it sound like all hunters are evil and a great admitted or sorry, stupid and evil 
Yeah, stupid and evil. Yeah. It does have that kind of feel to it. It does. Especially when you're looking through the eyes of a jaded 37-year-old who's had to live through the woke era of, of the United States of America. True. There is that in there. But uh I'll just I, wait till next week's episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the film I only watched half an hour of originally, and mm-hmm. I don't know how it ends. <laughs> uh but <laughs> Uh, this they don't skimp on the story. You've got a great story with between Bianca, Bernard, and uh, Jake, and mm-hmm. that little minor love triangle. Yeah, you've got a great story with Wilbur trying to catch up. You've got Cody dealing with McLeach, mm-hmm. and then you've got McLeach. Yes, who has essentially his own little story going on. Oh yeah, and they are all interwoven in such a way that. The there's not a bad moment of acting in this film. A lot of times, you know, you want even uh, even some of the best films out there. There's always some character in the background who's got like maybe a barely heard voice role, and he's just not acting. He's just getting sound out there, so it sounds mm-hmm. like it. I don't think there's any of that here. It's no. all every character is got is is like on par. There's like a couple of uh, characters who don't have voice roles mm-hmm. that they just that just playing regular animals. Yeah that you know they're kind of like oh that's a thing we're just showing off australian animals Mm -hmm. but that's like so stinking minor true i don't care and just the whole the whole package is beautiful i want i didn't mention marahute too much in the animation but you got that too because the animation Mm -hmm. for her character in dealing with the uh character the uh her story Mm -hmm. is like you understand exactly what she's communicating, even though she doesn't speak Mm -hmm. except for cause every once in a while, which I do think I've heard that particular sound effect somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I just can't place where it came from, Got it. but um, the whole, the story in this is just so stinking good that yeah, you, you're clearly, it blows the the first movie out of the water. And not just because our villain is not a knockoff of Cruella de Vil this time around. Right. Not because that's just a great character in McLeach. Not be, but it's like the first movie is like so it's almost dull in a way. Mm. This film is like every time we turn around, something cool is happening on yeah. screen. And if it's not a cool story moment, it's a cool character moment. Agreed. So yeah, that's my second like. What's yours? My second like would be you you mentioned before, but McLeach. That's my third. <laughs> yeah. McLeach as a character, voiced by the amazing George and C. Scott. George C. Scott, who sadly passed away in 1999. Um, uh, every scene he's in, he is chewing the scene so vividly and verbally. He is not chewing the scene, he's bite, biting whole chunks out of it. <laughs> He's got the best lines in the uh, whole film. I didn't graduate the third grade, grade for nothing. nothing. These are not Joanna eggs. Every single time. Be like, he's he's probably one of the best villains from the early there, Renaissance there, era. There's a reason that Gaston, another mm. great villain. Yes. Uh, Clayton, mm. another great villain. Yes is all the and all those other characters are inspired by this character because exactly 
this character you'd love to hate. Yeah, exactly. He's he's an evil character through and through. You know he's not a good guy, but you're still happy to see him on screen because you just he's having so much fun you can't oh, yeah. not enjoy his him being up there i agree i agree that uh clayton clayton i want to call him clayton now um we haven't watched that movie yet no we haven't but um oh no yeah no 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 one second uh yeah mcleach is just be like he is a villain through and through be like yes there's more of this environmental let's let's not poach things which we shouldn't poach animals right but it's just more this be like this character who is so relentless on what he wants and he he's he's driven he's ambitious and he is willing to do anything possible to do it including kill a kid yeah for getting in his way it's like that's the 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 epitome of an evil character. Be like, yeah, Disney has done amazing villain mm-hmm. characters, but very rarely be like, unless like the original character from the original rescuers, be like, she was villainous, right, but, but the, she was a ripoff of she was Cruella de Vil light. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, she is. But be like he's be like McLeach is one of those characters who be like is willing to do anything in order to grasp what he his his greedy little paws once, including murdering a child mm-hmm. in order to get it. So that makes him one of the worst villains in Disney history. Now, uh, Scar kind of did that. He didn't get away with it because Scar he's, was more political. Yeah, he's very political. He wasn't really evil for evil's sake. I literally, I've always thought that Scar really did think he knew what the right thing to do was. Right. He just didn't know how to manage it. He didn't know how to manage it. He, his ego got in the way, mm-hmm. and that's what caused all his downfall. Because mm-hmm. he was so angry at his brother getting, uh, being lauded over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, McLeach, on the other hand, yeah, he is just evil because he wants to kill all the animals and sell them for parts and sell them parts and get rich. Exactly. That, that's which his whole every, motivation is is wealth. Which it does not matter if you are a tree hugger or if you are a hunter. A legitimate hunter. Mm-hmm. You hate the poachers. It's I, what brings us all together is the hatred exactly. of the poachers. Exactly. Yeah, it's just his character is so well done as a villain that it's like there again, it's been inspired by different be like has inspired yeah. different other Disney villains and probably many, 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 many others. Yes. But oh my gosh, like like you said, like every scene he's in, he is literally biting into it and not letting go like a pit bull. <laughs> now admittedly. Steen stealing every fucking yes. time he's in frame. One of my favorite moments, admittedly, which I did not know until we were doing research yeah. for this, is the part that was actually done by Frank Walker. Mm-hmm. Allow me to do my best. Rep- uh, for, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, impersonation? Impersonation of uh mcleach singing home on the range oh my god home home on the range where the critters are tied up in chains i cut through their sides and i rip off their hides and the next day i do it again the thing is that is horrible yeah that is the most horrible thing but it's like yeah, he's a villain. He wants to do horrible things. Exactly. And he's loving every minute of it. There is something about, we've said this like when we were on Monster on Film Vault talking mm-hmm. about um Ooze. Yeah. Ivan Ooze. Yeah. And so many other characters. That's the first one that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. 
a villain who loves what he's doing. Oh, yeah. I don't want them all the time. Granted. Yeah. Because I do like three-dimensional, well-thought-out villains. Mm -hmm. But a villain who's just evil for evil's sake. Oh, yeah. And doesn't care that he's evil and just revels in his evilness Uh is a joy to behold sometimes when you're watching a film because it's like, yeah, we hate you and you don't care and you're going to have as much fun with it as you want. Precisely. And that is subsequently great for us too Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, yeah, it's like we hate you. We really hate you. And yet we love to hate you. Scar is like this too, even yes. though he's a little deeper. And I still say Scar has the best villain song. Yeah, I, I agreed. But, yes. But at the same time, he's got that. He he is essentially McLeach, but with more with a deeper background. Yeah, agreed. But he is essentially that character. Uh so many other Disney villains from the Renaissance, they're essentially this character, but with a little more depth and are they're, they're looking a different way they're yeah. evil for evil's sake yeah but there's a reason they're being that they're being evil for evil's sake yeah mcleach is not does not have a reason for being evil for evil's sake except that he's greedy yeah exactly and boy do you want to talk about his actions making this film dark oh yeah the scene with the animals in the cages and the koala as was a koala right koala Koala is saying everyone telling everyone how they're going to get out of there. <laughs> the kangaroo's going to be a wallet. I don't remember what the second one was, but then that little lizard. Oh my gosh. You're going to be a lovely lady's purse. <laughs> no. Like, okay. A, I didn't get how dark that was as a child. No. Because I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> but now I'm looking at it going, wow <laughs> that is dark very very that is pitch black because mm-hmm. you're saying these people are going to be murdered and the only good that's going to come out of it is someone on the in paris is going to have a, a lovely purse yes so mcleach is the villain mcleach yes. is the villain of the year yes oh my gosh it's not the decade yeah they're going to be like like you said before but like he's not this like in-depth kind of like scar he's got this right. deep emotional there's, there, there's not there's not this big knot of story that you, you get to do because you it doesn't matter why he's evil no he's just vil- he's a villain just a villain the be villain sake and good night i want one of those again agreed because don't get me wrong i i love the villains that are the heroes of their own story yeah and i've had to go through a hero's like journey but for evil's sake yeah they went to the dark side right like uh what's her name in Ryan the Last Dragon? Um oh the uh yeah, I know exactly her, her dragon nerd friend. Yeah. Or eventually Fred. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was good, no, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like Encanto where the people claim the grandma's the villain. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I would partially they, agree there's with There's not this. really a villain in that. No. Uh what was the last big Disney film we watched? Because it wasn't Strange World, because we neither one of us have watched that yet. No. It wasn't Encanto. It was, there was something else in between there. Uh, turning No, Turning Red was a Pixar. Turning Red is Pixar. Uh, honestly, I'm not... I'm, uh, uh, either way, Encanto may have been the last I think it is Encanto. Saw. I think it is Encanto. But yeah, there's so many in the last couple of years. Oh, Frozen 2. There we go. There's not a villain in that. No, there's no villain. 
it's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's no villain in that because if that's the story doesn't lend itself to that. And don't get me wrong, I like that every once in a while, but it has been since probably out of I'm not sure what comes later, but uh, Lilo and Stitch maybe it's probably the last thing with a quote unquote villain. Yeah, but the the villain is more just. It's it's a villain who's doing their job. That's, yeah, and it's it's not really this but like he's villain. The last, he's the last one I would actually consider to be a major villain. Now, Grant, there's some of those like in the earliest parts of that. It's like okay, yeah. Oh, you got King Candy. He's actually a yeah. villain for villain's sake. Yeah, that is but true. But he's got reasons. Yeah, he's got a villain for evil. Yeah. For evil for evil's sake. Yeah. Uh, and technically, Ralph is the villain in Ralph Breaks the Internet, but true, we won't go into that. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to that, listen episode. To that episode. Yeah. Uh, going turbo. Mother Gothel. Thank you. Mother yes. Gothel is the last evil for evil's sake villain we had. And I have to say that with the idea that you have not seen Tangled, the animated series. Yeah. But that movie by itself, she is evil for evil's sake. I, w- I would agree with you. She's got disagree- story. Don't yeah. be wrong, because she wants to, but her entire thing is, she wants to stay young yeah. and needs the flower's power to do that. Yes. So that whole time of that movie and everything going along with that, she is doing everything she can. Yes. Gaslighting her, mm-hmm. what the person who sees her as her mother. Yes. And, uh, and she, that's, that's how evil she is. And yeah. she does not care no. that she's evil. Now, granted, you watch the rest of the series and you're going, you're not just evil and despicable, mm-hmm. but you actually had a decent reason for being evil and despicable. It's not entirely your fault, but yet it is. Yeah. Zantiri is the one who did all that nonsense and kind of turned you to the dark side. Kind of yeah. didn't fully make you a, a Darth Vader-esque killer uh, villain, but... Yeah, she full go full Anakin, but... Th- then again, go look at the la- first couple episodes of season three. Jeez! <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah mm, oh yes yeah, yeah that's she, how bad she's she is. a villain she's she's, very... she's a villain but but that point she's not just villain evil for evil's sake yeah she's got this whole backstory yeah which is which very is good. fine i very love good. that for this for that tv show yeah. and i like how that recontextualizes her for the movie mm-hmm. yeah but if you're just talking about the movie itself she's the last evil for evil's sake villain that is true we haven't had one since then and i want another yeah agreed give me another evil for evil's sake villain that you're not pushing your political agenda there we go. Disney. There we go. And that's about as political as I'm going to get. <laughs> so, yeah. McLeach. McLeach. I mean, amazing His villain. second like. My third. <laughs> okay. What's your third? My third story. Story is freaking amazing in this movie. Or be oh, like, yes. story. Be like, story. Amazing. And then you get. Oh, my gosh. Oh, why am I drawing on a blank? Oh, which character? Scribe. Uh, Oh, the the albatross, Wilburn, <laughs> Wilburn, Wilburn! Oh my gosh, poor Wilburn! Like poor Wilburn, he he's he 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 comes in and crash land. He's the character binks of this movie, but he, he's so funny. Oh yeah, he he is the crux of the 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 comedy, and then he he gets tortured by these poor little these little by, mice who are by, voiced by Minnie Mouse. Yes, <laughs> a horde of Minnie Mice. And, and stereotypical German Doctor Mouse. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I obviously worked for the Nazis in in the, during the Great War. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like yes, but we can't say that. No, we can't. Oh my gosh! But 
but yes, he's that but, kind of German scientist. Yes, 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 yes. yes. He's 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 got a good heart for a you know he's, got a, a, he's actually a good character but yeah. he's got that he's like oh yeah, this isn't gonna hurt a bit, boosh <laughs> and then he pulls off the big sugar <laughs> my favorite part bring out the was it the skin uh some big scientific name yeah and they pull up a chainsaw <laughs> and I'm going what are you going to do with that. <laughs> I'm like, Wilbur, like, get me the heck out of here. Yeah, I'm with Wilbur. It's like, I don't want to know what you're doing with that. I'm getting out of here. But that entire ordeal is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> They're like, yep, story, which is amazing. And my real point is Wilbur's torture at the hospital. Yes. It's absolutely hysterical the entire time. I'm laughing. The, I remember as a kid, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is terrifying. Yes. As an adult, yes, terrifying, but hilariously funny. The entire time, it's like, like it's it's more like how much can we torture this poor bird? And also, John Candy does an amazing job as Wolverine. Yes, the entire time, be like, mother, mommy, like, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> like, hey, don't don't point that right there. Come yes. on, man, come on. I'm skewered. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yes, every every time that that the, the scene at the the hospital where Wilbur is being be like, oh, we're gonna try to fix your back, and it's just like one torture moment after a moment, 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 yes. moment. It's like every fear you have of the hospital happens here. Yes, like what crackpot are we gonna have to deal with? And it's not just one crackpot; it's a crackpot leading a team of crackpots. Crackpots. Yes, voiced by Minnie Mouse. <laughs> I'm sorry. You watch that scene now with the knowledge that every single one of those nurse mice are being voiced by Minnie Mouse. And don't tell me it doesn't recontextualize everything. <laughs> but oh my gosh, the 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 scene of almost pure irony, pure irony is where Wilbert is able to get loose because out of sheer fear of his life, gets out, trips over, trips over the uh, the doctor mice, yes. and it's like he gets up, hey. My back's good. And yes. the mouse, the mouse like, is like, oh, my back. back. <laughs> it's like, I've seen this joke thousands of times, and I don't care. It's so well it's done. It's still hilarious. Executed so well done. That is slapstick at its finest. Yes, agreed. And it'd be like, it, it's in well proof, with such a good story. Further proof that you don't hate all comedies. No, I don't hate you all just comedies. hate one type. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, don't don't give me something, you know, don't try to be don't serious fully and satirical. a comedy at the exact same time. Anyway, yeah. You ready to jump into our dislikes? Yes, let's get our dislikes. Uh, this is actually going to be tough. Yeah, to be honest. My dislike, I think, really uh, above anything else is the fact that this movie is so short. Oh, okay. I, re- I, I kind of wish it was about an hour and a half long because there's so many good moments mm-hmm. that, and they're kind, they're they're not rushed. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but there's not a lot of time to breathe. Yeah, it's a very tight script. Yeah, it is tight, very tight, almost too tight because it's like you don't really you get only I you get times you can breathe, mm-hmm. but I kind of want this more like you've got this great, uh cap system you're showing off show me some more landscapes like introduce give, give me more time when you're when uh after jake has gotten the snake i just realized that 
Jake the snake. Jake the snake. Jake the snake. Anyway, after Jake uh, gets the snake, show me them. Give me a, a more scenes of them, like just like travel scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of travel that goes on here, but there's no travel scenes. No. Well, there there are, but it's like one. It's, it's very like, short. It's like three seconds. Three yeah. Four it's seconds. Like, give me just a little bit. We get one really nice shot of sit of a. Uh, the Sydney Opera House, mm-hmm. and that's about as close to a look at all the cool stuff kind of scene we can do. And I guess it's because no one ever, no one thought. I guess it is Australia, mm-hmm. and Australia is kind of a desert in the center of it. Yeah, so I get that. But you got, you got so much of this big area. It's like, just give me something. Like, give me like a camera flyover from like when you're go, moving from scene to scene, mm-hmm. leaving Bernard and, and Bianca and Jake on the snake. And then kind of fly over to where uh, McLeach is taking Cody mm-hmm. into the uh, into the lair. Mm-hmm. Maybe take a little bit longer on the scene where you're showing Cody's mother finding out that mm-hmm. uh, from the Rangers that they found Cody's backpack in Crocodile Falls. Mm-hmm. Give me some more of that. Fair. Just more time. It's like. Let me live in this world just a little bit longer. I don't need songs, but uh, to be honest, but that would have pushed it a little bit farther if we had something more of that. Just give me something more to like chew on. Give me time to like to not really feel like I'm. Th- this feels like a made-for-TV movie. Okay, like we've but only done got incredibly well. Done incredibly well. Yeah, you got like. A, 10 minutes between commercial breaks and we've only got 10 minutes to do everything. Let's go. We, we, we got to do it. We only have an hour, an hour and 15, an hour and a half to do all this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. An hour and 15 minutes. Cause you got to leave room for the commercials. So let's just go, 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 go. And we'll let the, we'll let the audience breathe at the commercials. That's how it feels throughout a lot of this. Cause there is, it's a lot of go, 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 go. I like some of that. Go, 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 go. But I want more of a let's just get a nice calm scene of i don't know maybe we got one scene where bernard uh was kind of feeling down that he had missed his uh opportunity, opportunity to propose to bianca um ironically on the snake mm-hmm. and he had to pour the water out of it because he got close and then he doesn't try that again until the end of the film yeah i know you got that three uh, tries and you know then it starts getting annoying sort of thing uh-huh because he'd already had the thing at the uh, a restaurant at the beginning of the, the beginning of the movie where he came in, mm-hmm. where he had a hard work. Well, he did a nice Indiana Jones reference in there, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Temple from Temple of Doom. But give me some more of that. Give me more. Of what he's trying. Give me, give it to me where I understand why Bernard and Jake have an antagonistic relationship, so that at the end when Jake gives him the thumbs up, you can tell it's not really antagonistic, because the first two the first half of this yeah there's a little bit of that back and forth but it's not okay because yeah jake is hitting on bianca but that's just because she thinks he's cute she's already well aware mm-hmm. that bernard has the hots for her, yeah probably is trying to do make it more serious and he's kind of just leaning in it give it have him antagonize bernard more to get bernard to have more of the courage he needs to finally propose at the yeah. end make that more connected that's kind of what I want. I just want more of the film when you get right down to it. Okay. I want more of the film. And it's because it's was it, an hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. I want an hour and a half. Granted, 
I like two hours in some of these movies because that's what helped uh, Pinocchio last week mm-hmm. is that it was two hours and it's like you had time to do stuff even though I had issues with uh, mm-hmm. the dogfish in the last yeah. one but anyway just give me more of this movie because I enjoyed it so much I wanted to keep going mm. anyway my first is like <laughs> Cody isn't really much of an Australian is he because Cody <laughs> bless <laughs> his heart which if you're not from East Texas you may not know that means you idiot <laughs> No, not from the south. I mean, right. But Cody bless his heart is like Snow White. <laughs> he can talk to all the animals, and they all want to help him. Right. He can do no stinking wrong. That is true. But the point, the point I'm trying, the point I'm wanting to get to, and he's not Australian. <laughs> he's not Australian. Be like when we first meet him, when he says, "Be like, oh, I got some sandwiches in my some in my pack." Yeah, but, and there's like one, like one or two things he says that sound Australian. Like he's trying. He's trying he's to sound trying Australian. To put that accent in there, but he l- ignores it most of the time. He drops it like a like a like a bad egg. Yeah, and it'd be like, like the other Australian characters, like Jake. He's obvious. It's obvious. Is obvious because obvious. He's, he's his mother is his regular voice. Yeah, but. Jake is more because uh, if if memory serves, memory serves because initially they wanted to make uh, uh, Cody Aboriginal, make him Aboriginal, right. but that would have Katz- been interesting. Yeah, but Katzenberg decided not to go with that because they didn't he's want Katzenberg, to, or as as they as they said in the article that they didn't want to play into a stereotype. They didn't play into a stereotype of Aboriginal. That's what that was their thinking. So they made him white. So they went. With making a young crocodile Dundee, pretty much, because because apparently a <laughs> young um, crocodile Dundee who does not even have the accent. No, except he tries. In he tries a few times. Yeah, very few times. He tries again during the scene where they're trying to get the key, and he says, "In some ways, says that's it. You got it." And it's kind of that Australianish to yeah, it, but, but then drops it. Then again. Drops it in a minute, and it's not even that good in Australia. It's like consistent voice, Cody. Mm-hmm. Please, <laughs> I know you're a kid actor, but come on. Uh, but hey, the kid tried. The kid he tried, tried, yeah. But it's just it, there was no consistency in his his like uh, more of a like. Where was he originally from? Outside of Australia, oh uh, Nor- Norway, Norway. Yeah, the actor originally from Norway. Be like trying to do an Australian accent, and oh I mean, um, yeah, it sounds good. It sounds good, if but it, it sounds more he- like an American. The thing is, I think I would I would like it better if he had just stuck with his, I'm assuming his normal accent. Yeah. The, the, the accent he uses throughout most of the film. Mm-hmm. And those moments where he tries to do Australia, if he, Australian, if he just hadn't done that, it wouldn't mess with me that much. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that would have worked is I'm thinking back to stuff like um, Robin Hood. Yeah. Where, you know, everyone working for King John is from the South in England mm-hmm. is from the American South. That is true. And it's talking with that, that, that Southern te- twang mm-hmm. say, t- talking about Prince John and going to get all the taxes from the church folk. And that doesn't bother me. in yeah. that film it's, I, you, I talk about it, joke about it because it's funny when you think about, it, but when you're watching the film, it's fine for most of this. The fact, I, mean, I think Cody could have been, just have him do his normal voice, and no one would have cared. Yeah, 
but he's fluctuating between not, keeps, like an Australian accent, right. nor like a sounds like an American. And honestly, I wish they just stuck with the American voice and just been done with it. Because yeah, the Australians wouldn't have liked it. And sure, by that time we had had Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. And this is not a good Australian accent, so I'm not going to keep no, doing you're, it. You're, you're... <laughs> uh, but we had Crocodile Dundee. We had uh, some other stuff that was. This is before Steve Irwin. Yeah, but uh, we ha- we knew what the Australian accent sounded like. So all he really may have to do is like throw in a crikey or something. Right. And yeah, that probably would have been enough. And just keep the American accent, and no one would have cared. Yeah. Or just say, yeah, the kid is a transplant. That they happened to move out here to the middle of nowhere, Australia, and he still has his American accent. That fixes it right there. There you go. <laughs> Just make it where I can headcanon it without it sounding too ridiculous, and it's fine. Right. So yeah, that's my that's my first dislike is Cody's fluctuation between a normal sounds an American and an Australian accent. The only Cody's probably the weakest character in this film. I agree. In general. And the only saving grace he has is he's a lot better than the girl in the first one. That is true. Because at least, right? I don't remember her name. Yeah, I think it was Penny. Penny. Yeah, Penny. Because Penny was just annoying. Well, Cody, I would come to the defense of uh, Penny here because Penny was actually more like there was a lot more depth to who penny was right rather than cody because cody's more like oh he's cody's a male snow white living in the australian outback true talk to all the animals they all want to help him and somehow he can save every all of them from poachers well you know what i was doing it's it's the same way as with penny he's what six years old yeah six seven you know what i was doing at six years old not saving golden eagles (laughs) obviously because you're not from australia <laughs> even if i was in australia i would be like i would not have been let out of that yard <laughs> fair 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 fair. there's none of this running around the australian outback <laughs> what i can't even believe that actual australian parents would just let their kids run around the australian outback like it's their backyard <laughs> Hey, when you get a very large backyard in the 90s in the 90s this is the place where they li- where i have seen top 10 lists of the deadliest snakes in the world and nine of them are in that country well apparently cody's just friends with all the snakes apparently uh, apparently so yes that, that is my first dislike of this film you have a second no Okay, I try, I've been sitting here trying to think. Do I really ha- not have anything else other than wishing the film was longer? And it's like, and you kind of hit it with Cody. Mm-hmm. I can't really add much to that, but yeah, I actually do have a second. I do like Cody as a character, yeah. especially in comparison to Penny. But mm-hmm. just because Cody does stuff, <laughs> Penny, yeah, agreed. Penny is a damsel in distress Stress. for most of that film. Agreed. And she's a she doesn't get anything done until Miss Bianca and Bernard, Bernard get there. Yes, agreed. This boy didn't really need the mice to be there for a good portion of this film. That is true. He kind of handled he the handled only his own. the only real things that that Bernard and Miss Bianca actually did to help this kid was what uh, uh, was warn him that mcleach was tricking him yeah and then help them get helped the eagle get out of the cage yeah that's about all they really did true but i don't even care about that because the movie is just fun anyway but yeah agree still so my second dislike is kind of a it's more of an oxymoron of a scene 
But like, it's a great scene. Do not get me wrong. So it's a scene where McLeach is taking Cody back to his hideout in the middle of the Australian outback mm-hmm. or in that, that mining area. Yes. So be like, he's be like, Cody screaming as far as the eye can see. see. Yeah. Abandoned open mines as far as the eye can see. Yes. So be like Cody screaming his head off. You can't do this. Let me out. And McLeach says something that kind of, it struck me as a, as a chord struck me as a chord in this where he says, you got to be quiet. Otherwise the, the Rangers, Rangers are going to hear, hear you. me. You're saying this in an open micro on an open microphone hey, in the middle of the desert. If I may defend, you're going to defend the villain. I can defend why he said that and why that makes sense. Okay. He was being sarcastic. They're in the middle of nowhere. He's saying it over the thing. It's saying, Boy, you better shut up because the Rangers might hear you. Yeah, the Rangers might hear you. The Rangers can't see, don't aren't anywhere around here. He, he knows it because he's been out here forever. Okay. He knows the Rangers ain't going to hear him. And that boy yelling is not going to do him any good, especially since now he's telling him that over a loudspeaker. Yeah. I see your point. That's, that's your point. That's the defense I have is McLeach. He's, he's not he's, scared of the rangers he's fully aware they're not fully in the aware area. they're not in the area okay that makes sense now that being said i know they're talking about the forest rangers but because of my late, re, most recent viewing habits <laughs> i'm just imagining australian power rangers <laughs> trying to find this kid no like i'm expecting to look up in the distance and there's some kind of australian megazord running oh across God. the desert oh Gosh. Actually, Car Ranger, considering i watching Car Ranger, which is turbo, just give me those five cars <laughs> as big as houses. <laughs> oh That's that visual. He kept, they kept saying the Rangers, the Rangers, and I'm going, they're morphing time. <laughs> the Power Rangers shifting the turbo. <laughs> Bear in mind. Mighty Morphin the movie? Yes. Filmed in Australia. Yes. They are in the area. Five years after this. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Admittedly, Rita Repulsa is still on her moon in her dumpster at this point in time. Oh my gosh. So, yes. That being said, you can't tell me Cody would not have been a better version of Justin. <laughs> I actually have got a better appreciation for Justin as a character, having rewatched all that in a more modern sensibility. But right. good night, justice for Fred. He should have been the next the the the, blue, the next Blue Ranger, not Justin. <laughs> and Cody, I could see doing this role too. Cody could be Tommy at a young age. Fair, but anyway, yeah, either or. So be like, I, I think it was I, I just saw it as kind of funny because there again. The Rangers already looking for Cody. So why would McLeach be on a loudspeaker knowing that Rangers are out there? Maybe not in that area, but you're in open range. You can be heard for miles. Maybe not miles enough. Maybe. There again, just an idea. That's my that's my second. He knows he's in an abandoned opal mine area, yeah. and maybe the rangers just don't go that way often. That's possible. That's now, prob- that's most likely why he's hired us there. But there is one issue with that. Okay. How many half tracks are in the outback? 
It would be just driving around a random forest. Probably not. Probably just not. Probably just his. Yeah. In all honesty. And if that guy drove all the way to. That makes sense. Crocodile Falls to throw the backpack in and then drove away to go back to his place. What's stopping the Rangers from following the half track? That is true. Because that is a heavy truck. It's a very heavy truck. And it's going through mostly wetlands Mm -hmm. until he hits the desert. Easily and, trackable. And then it's easily trackable because you got the sand. As long as they're they're pretty close, it's not going to get covered up that fast. And plus, it's not even like de- like dune sand desert. It's this is no, well, it's Australia. It's it's all barren rock. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's yeah, maybe a little harder there, but still. Okay. So here here's here's I my I guess that was my third dislike. So here here's my defense for that. And there again, I'm gonna say a joke here. Only a few people will get this. So Johanna. <laughs> Like possibly, possibly is going behind the half track and is wiping the trees away. <laughs> You're welcome, Ashley. Joanna, <laughs> bless her heart. <laughs> Ain't that fast? And oh, plus I know. she's in the cab during that scene. I know, I know. It was, it was, it was a. It plus was, at that, it point, was an animation theory. Plus at that point, she's like, "I just really want the eggs. Can we get the eggs, please?" <laughs> anyway anyways that's my second third dislike whatever i think that's my third dislike yes. so let's just go ahead and hit the uh the ratings what are you rating this thing this, this is a solid nine oh, oh my god indeed this this movie is gold it is a is it is a uh a diamond in the rough as, as a, nah, another, another not, Disney. that's it that's not for another couple of years it's not for a couple of years but this is a diamond in the rough in the the renaissance era which has been so sadly uh overlooked for the other amazing disney films that came out you know post and prior to this or later after this but this movie is so well done animation wise story wise character wise like everything in this film is golden yes it does have uh, it has a neck sorry pause continue uh, i'm just trying to check something oh you're good it like this movie is golden in every fashion or form just like the golden eagles movie minus golden eagles don't look like that but nuance um in research you actually look what a golden eagle looks like they're more brown than gold but nuance uh this is a this is a movie that needs to be re-looked at rediscovered by a lot of people and it is Really, it is really, really easily available on Disney Plus. Uh, you can go to the Disney movie store and purchase it there. Uh, sometimes they do sell it in Walmarts and Best Buys and that kind of stuff. Be like, if you want to go see this film, it is very easily to go go check it out. Give this movie some love, and we be like, it is such a great, wonderful film with story, character, and just visual direction, everything. And it just gets overlooked between The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I think Beauty and the Beast was the next one. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Either that or Aladdin. Yeah, I think. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, it was Aladdin. Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. That's right. But yeah, people, go give this movie some love. It is such a fantastic, underrated Disney film. It's not even funny. So go watch this film. 
Go sit your kids in front of it. I don't care if they have not seen the rescuers. The rescuers you don't down. Need, you, you don't, don't need, need to it. see the rescuers. No, because it sets up perfectly who these characters are. Yeah. Within we didn't see the rescuers before exactly. watching this as kids, and we didn't need it. Yeah, it, it is. It is a hidden gem in the in the Disney Renaissance that needs to be revisited by fans. Agreed. So yeah, it's it's solid nine for me. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9.5 oh, okay. because there's a lot about this movie that I love mm -hmm. and I had a hard time coming up with things I didn't like. Uh, most of the stuff I came up with were like last minute nitpicks, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, 9.5. My biggest issue is it's not long enough. Fair. I want long, I want more. I guess that's the good thing. Cause they left me wanting more, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, keep hitting the wrong button. But yeah, that's. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Got it. Which brings us to letting us let you know what our next film is going to be. <laughs> I have stated on this podcast that yes. there was one animated movie from my childhood that scared me half to death, about half, an, and I only got about half an hour through it. And I think the only reason I wanted to watch it was because Robin Williams was playing a bat. <laughs> if we're being honest. Yes. So I honestly have no idea what we're in for next week with Fern Gully, the last rain for us. Yes. 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 <laughs> Why are you this excited? I love this movie as a kid. I loved it. It scared me half to death as a kid. I remember watching it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is dark. This is cool. It hit me at the wrong time. Fair. I guarantee you. Because I only tried to watch it once. I got half an hour into it. And it spooked me enough that we shut it off and returned it to the video store. And I never watched Fair. it again. And I haven't seen it since that time. And I guarantee you, I don't even remember the half hour I watched. Oh, okay. I don't even know if it was a half hour. I'm just guessing half an hour. because. Yeah. In my mind, that's the that's the mark where we shut it off. Yeah. I it could be good. Mm -hmm. It could be garbage. I know it's gonna be uh, environmental as heck. Oh yeah, that's the entire point of it. <laughs> but yeah, Fern Gully, the last rainforest. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's not Princess Mononoke. Mononoke. <laughs> nope, and it ain't uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the, the Winds. Wind. <laughs> What's the other environmentalist films we've watched? <laughs> Quite a few. Uh, I guarantee you, having not watched Fern Gully except for that one time, I guarantee you I will like it more than Epic. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Robin Williams' performance is batty. is better than the <laughs> Epic. Uh... Yes, so, we're, so we are watching Fern Gully, Fern Gully The Last, the last for us. Yes. yes. I can't wait. I can't wait for him to see I, the entire I film got to, as an adult. I've got to figure out where I can watch it. I own it on Blu-ray. I know you do. But our viewing habits are not where it's... I can easily let you borrow stuff, but the other way around is a little harder, usually. Okay. Because you usually like to watch the movies like right before. Sometimes. I don't mind. I, I usually try to watch it a little bit later out so I can digest it. True. But anyway not important yeah well i'm sure it is streaming somewhere possibly 
Now we're both going to go look. Yes, we're both going to look. Anyways. Anyway, uh, while we are looking for that, we're going to leave y'all with our intermission so that y'all can... Uh, I'll save that one for next week. Do this one. So we can uh, jump into the next half of the show. We'll catch you on the other side of the bumpers. Mm-hmm. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest the Retro Rewind Podcast. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind Pod as they travel back 15 years or more along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games, establishing what is still worth your time today and what isn't. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco, Paul, the master interrupter powers, and a rotating cast of guest hosts, all of which are out of time. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. I'm sure you are. Oh, I know you are. <laughs> so, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? Besides a lot of YouTube, not a whole lot. Really? Yeah. Unless I'm completely forgetting something, which is mm. kind of normal for me. I, I have a tendency for... Because, you know, life gets busy, you kind of forget things. Right. I mean, I have no idea what you've been watching. I just, that's why I asked. Oh, uh, okay. So I can't really I can't really correct you on yeah, anything. Uh, but but the only thing I've really watched was, like, on things on YouTube and are, uh, like, Retro... Retro... Retro Rewind? No, Retro Rick. Oh, Retro Rick. Yeah, Retro Rick. He's a... He's a uh, um, I want to describe him as... Uh, he is a a video game collector mm -hmm. toy collector that kind of thing and be like he does all these similar to what toy collectors do on youtube and uh i just i find myself just watching his stuff just you know on loops for some reason i just find his stuff entertaining right so other than that um not really not a whole lot i've been busy all week and be like you get home you're dead tired and you just put YouTube on, or no? I continued. Uh, I continue watching. Um, what is that show called? YouTube. I talk about uh, not YouTube on uh, a history thing, huh? That history thing? No, no, no. I mentioned the last week. Um, you did mention a history thing last? I week. I did mention the thing last week. Um, uh, I tor Toradora. Toradora. Yeah, Toradora. Okay. I, I continued watching that. That was it's a fun. The the story itself seems to be. Um, or at least the the character direction changes when you get past like episode twelve or thirteen, and it's just like okay, these characters have changed all of a sudden. It's just it's a little bit bizarre to me. Hmm. Yeah. So be like you've watched the entire series. Uh, no, some... I haven't. Okay. Well, never mind. I've only watched four or five episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it's 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 a good show. Don't get me wrong. It just wasn't one that grabbed me and said you must finish the show. Yeah. I think I think I'm in, I'm in that camp where I want to finish it. But yeah, which I get. Yeah, it's interesting, like where these characters are going. But then you have this 
because they'll they'll do something with a character and it's just like almost like a different character personality they would switch it to and it's like oh they're nice and sweet and then they switch it back towards the end of the episode i'm like whiplash here you think a little a little bit here and there right so yeah so it was just like this is good why are you changing the characters to fit your story when you, the characters should be themselves in your story so I get what you're saying yeah so other than that that's all i've been watching so i have just been continuing some of the shows that i talked about last week right Starting off, I'll talk about Star Wars Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. I watched two more sagas, or two more arcs in that. The first one was about uh, the banking clan getting taken over by the Republic because... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's all part of Sidious's plan, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Yes. That was an okay episode. It was more of that... We were moving slowly more towards the empire. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a bad set of episodes, but it was just like more of this for got to move in that general mm -hmm. direction sort of thing. It was great little story in, in with Padme having to deal with this, even though brought back Clovis who nobody likes mm -hmm. and he could have stayed gone for all I cared, but whatever. Right. He's, don't have to worry about him anymore after that episode. True. <laughs> And then, strangely enough, an arc that focuses on Jar Jar Binks. Oh yes, and Mace Windu. I remember this, and I remember watching. I was I I was watching this, this afternoon, and I'm thinking, there's a couple shots. It's like okay, well, okay. First off, Jar Jar, mm -hmm. the most annoying character. In Star Wars history. Agreed. Whether you like the guy or not, whether he does a good job or not, he's not well-liked, and there's not much you can do about it. Right. That being said, Dave Filoni made his, his, knows how to write this character mm -hmm. and write it where it's like, you don't hate him. He's annoying, yes, but mm -hmm. it's like, you kind of are rooting for him yes. at the end. And then you pair him up with Mace Windu. <laughs> And boy, the animators watched a lot of Samuel L. Jackson to get those get those facial facial mm -hmm. ticks right. Because there's a point there where there's not there's animation there, sure, but it's more like a, a, a minute shift. Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, that's that's the the uh, Samuel L. Jackson stare of doom right there. <laughs> that's the you done messed up, uh, mother father, <laughs> mother father. Well, I mean, it's Mace Wind. It's it's Samuel L. Jackson. We know what he would think. Yes, <laughs> he does not have a a a uh, sensor button. Right. This was the guy that when uh, George Lucas said, "What color lightsaber do you want?" He said, "Purple." Mm -hmm. And George said, "We don't normally have purple lightsabers." Says, "You want me on this job? You give me a purple lightsaber, <laughs> and it will have on uh, as a detail the letters M F on it." didn't know that and he got it <laughs> oh, it's so. not in the toys and it's not in any of the recreations but the actual one the actual prop he used makes sense <laughs> it's samuel jackson just always cleverly rotated in such a way that you can't see it <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But <laughs> Samuel Jackson at the end of the first, at the end of, I think it's at the end of the end of the second episode, has no, it's actually at the end of the first episode. He says, "Jar Jar, I don't know if it's this planet or what, but I'm starting to understand you." That's like bad part is I think I am too. <laughs> Jar Jar stinking binks. Why does Dave Filoni have to make you an interesting character? <laughs> because we all hate him. Uh-huh. I don't hate the actor. I think Ahmad Best does a great job as the character. But you're not supposed to like this character. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Considering George Lucas made the decision that he was going to be the one that makes the crucial step that turns the Republic into the Empire. Yeah. The one that gives everything to... uh palpatine Mm -hmm. it's jar jar and blesses kudos actually i was like kudos to dave filoni for not just ignoring this character like we all want him to all wanted him to Mm -hmm. actually uses the character well i think because he's got like four or five different story arcs throughout this whole show and this last one he does is like he actually got to be the hero for once and got it was a very good hero for for this whole thing he was not just annoying granted he did speak <laughs> and i just have never liked that his speech pattern okay it's fair. not Ahmed's fault it's the writing writer's fault mm-hmm. it's george lucas's fault for for making him sound like make the entire race sound like they're preschoolers but either way i appreciated how well it was done of course, I'm also going through Geki So Sentai Car Ranger, hmm. which is, as I've said before, it's a parody of Super Sentai. Right. And what I'm really mean by that is, it's like a Weird Al song okay. when he's parodying another artist. He's the music is it's still the same instrumentation, it's the same melody. It's just the words are different, right? Yes. This is still a Super Sentai show. Yes. It is well in that Super Sentai feel, which mm-hmm. is why I think it was even uh, as translated to Power Rangers as well as it was. It's just their choice on how things go. They go for the most ridiculous thing they could come up with and then play to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to eat a, a specific type of Japanese pastry that only comes from one shop in order for the monsters to grow. And there's never a point in time where they say, oh, I just picked this up on, the, on a hurry from someone says, no, eat, the, eat this Imo Yokan from Imocho. That's what he always says every time they give him, they give him food to eat. Uh. It's like, that's ridiculous that you have to eat this one dessert from this one restaurant in order to grow. And yet I like it. It's hmm. funny. Or the fact that every time the car rangers come out, they say, we're fighting for traffic safety. It's like, that's stupid. And yet you never, there's never a point where they look at you and wink, you know? Like, we know this is ridiculous. We know this is stupid. No, they play it as serious as any other season would do, which I appreciate. You may not like as much, but I would appreciate. (laughs) Right. And then we get to what was the last episode I watched, which was the Hot Springs episode. Okay. Now, there's not always a Hot Springs episode, but there's always a bunch of summer episodes where mm-hmm. 
the characters might go on vacation and the villains follow them there. Of course. It happens. And this time it was a hot spring. And the villains... The villains' plan in this is that they're going to shoot the car rangers with this gun that will make them want to take all their clothes off so that they will get a summer cold and be out for 10 days. Say what? (laughs) You heard me. Yeah. I did not stutter. That is their plan. Wow. Well, that doesn't happen. No, of course not. Of course not. What does happen, though, made me say, what the henshin? I I, I can't believe this happened. To use both terminology uh, from Power Trip and Henshin Men. I got you. And this will probably be what I mentioned on that show when I get ready to do that. There is a character in there that's essentially their Zordon mm-hmm. named Dapu. Okay. You remember Mac and me? No. You remember that alien Mac uh, from that? Okay. So for those of you who know what that is, it's what he looks like. He looks like uh, human skinned Yoda, but oh. about six, but about the size of a human. Ooh, okay. Just general description of okay. this thing. He did not get to go on the vacation. Everyone went on because he's not technically part of the company, but he wants to. So he finds a way to chase them there. Mm. And just as the villain is getting ready to fire this, he finally makes it there. The villain fires the gun. It hits Yellow Ranger's morpher and bounces off and hits Dapu. Mm. Bear in mind, Dapu is a tokusatsu suit. Mm. He He's not... There's a. I, I, he starts taking off his clothes. Really? Yeah. Okay. First off, I didn't know those clothes were removable as part of the suit <laughs> because there's been no clue that he could change clothes before this point because, you know, it's a Sentai suit. There's no reason for them to change. Right. 90% of the time. And he starts taking off this robe. And I'm going, whoa, I do not need to watch this. I know why this episode wasn't adapted. <laughs> why the plot of this episode was changed completely because the monster does show up in the power transfer. Right. But <laughs> that's not what, it's just the, mm. the Megazord fight. Yeah, it's the only part he's in. I go, I did not expecting this, but thankfully he moves on first and says, "Okay, that was the little joke. We're not going to see that again." He then runs up on a pack of campers, saying, "I've got to find the Car Rangers. I got to let them know what's happening, so they won't. The same thing won't happen to them." Like, and you just saw Yellow Ranger. She knows, and you run up on these campers. He steals a towel from them. Bear, bear in mind. He's running there. He does he's it's just there was nothing showing that Dapu wears underwear. Okay. In that shot. You don't see anything. Right. Thankfully. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you better be doing some creative camera tricks because this is not something I want to see. <laughs> I don't want to this is a kid's show. You people know this is a kid's show, right, Japan? <laughs> right. I'm like, wow this happens great that's all i could say about it because it was like why 
it's a I get it's a funny joke. Don't get me wrong, but I'm right. sitting here watching this and going, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't move transition, transition. We don't need to see that. There was one part. I swear, I swear, for a short second, you could see that area. You know what I'm talking? Yes, about. I'm aware. It's very short. He's not on a four on a regular television. You know, the, the regular kind of stuff you wouldn't it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. but of course i'm watching a dvd on an hd television <laughs> fairly decent transfer from from the the v the type of videotape they used by the way <laughs> and i'm going i hope i didn't just see what i think i just saw <laughs> please tell me you wouldn't have modeled that <laughs> on this suit <laughs> and i think it was just a shadow from some from like the fact that he's in a forest yeah it's like for a short second there i'm going awkward is the word <laughs> is yes. the word here so yeah okay sentai it's a thing <laughs> yes it is a thing i kind of wishing i'd have picked a ranger right now <laughs> Anyway, because the craziest thing that happens in there is the Megazords dancing. <laughs> okay, then. I think. I don't know. I haven't finished watching O Ranger because I jumped to Car Ranger. But yeah, uh, I think that's about it. Move To move on, why don't we go yes. to the news? Yes. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Thank you, Dealit. And I think the fur is gone. Thank you very much. Apparently, there was some old, uh, there were some issues from like a multiple of the previous pranks she pulled on you that fair had technically they should not have hit you all at once, but there was so many of them, they kind of activated with you know the weather the way it's been okay she got it fixed it was not something this time she did intentionally good deal all right so getting into the news uh this is word of very weird so we're just gonna go with it uh there is a movie coming out from dreamworks animation uh i just uh a good friend of the show heather um tagged me in the post and is this the kraken one yes this is a kraken movie we're getting another animated kaiju film <laughs> with evil mermaids. Nate, you want to help? <laughs> One way or the other. Our show or yours. Yes. So uh, this summer's animated Battle Royale is going between the underdog Kraken monsters and the popular and, self e- and self-evolved mermaids. That, according to Rudy Gilman... Teenage Kraken, DreamWorks animated latest movie, which will be released in theaters June 30th. And uh, yeah, that's about it. (laughs) Did you watch the trailer? I did watch the trailer. You can't tell me who that main mermaid. Oh, yeah. A little bit of part of your world. Yeah. Red hair. Suspect wears it has a purple shell bra. 
green yeah. green fins. Yeah. I wonder who yeah. that could be. Yeah. Obviously, it's it, it's the mermaid from the from Shrek Two. Oh yeah, of course. That's who it was. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It was also a reference to Ariel. <laughs> no, you think? Maybe. Maybe. It's like, yeah, mer- mermaids traditionally were more like the the the, sir- the siren call that yes. you know that would draw they're sailors. Sirens. They're sirens. Pretty, you know, to to boil it down to its a, if, a, if you watched Wakanda Forever, the things that uh, Namor's people did to make the humans just jump in the water, basically what we're talking about. Okay, fair. You've not seen Wakanda Forever no, yet, I have you? Not. The I'm very beginning it. of that film, as they're introducing the the villains mm. that the Wakandans are gonna have to fight the uh this these creatures start singing to an american uh aircraft carrier that's you know trying to down there trying to find some research that they left on the seafloor and they start singing and all the humans just drop their weapons and walk off the boat huh or not all of them a lot of them oh uh, okay but anyway yeah fair so that's all i have for in news Unless and I have you, nothing to add. Yeah, there's literally like um obviously we spoke about last week that the last trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie uh there's dropped. been there has been a lot of TV spots dropped, but I ain't watched them. Yeah, because this movie no longer has to sell me on it. Yes, it just needs to come out. Agreed. Granted, I said that after the first trailer, but mm. anyway. Anyway, so that so yeah. So how about some X-Men? Yes. Previously on X-Men. Speaking of Namor, His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. imagination or on these disney plus masters where we're watching them mm-hmm. has the video quality improved a lot yes it has in the last couple episodes yes yeah, it has i just I, I just the first thing i noticed in both of these is mm-hmm. that good night this actually looks like they've like vectorized all this possibly <laughs> digitally arted i think they, they shouldn't have but it's like that doesn't look like we're looking at videotape but i could be wrong there it I could be. be very wrong there. Or it could just be an updated animation. I maybe. We are halfway through season two. That is true. I also get in point when we get to uh 
the next episode. The next episode we we do this episode, the first episode we're going to talk about, and the second episode I'll talk about something else about that one. Now let's go ahead and talk about that first episode. Okay. First episode tonight is Repo Man, uh, which came out on November twentieth, nineteen ninety three, directed by Larry Houston and written by Len Wein. Mm-hmm. Summary for this one. After Wolverine has been lured to Canada by an alleged message from his old friend, Heather Hudson, he finds himself fighting Heather's husband, Vindicator, and the Canadian super team, Alpha Flight, instead. Alpha Flight believes that they were they were only sent after Wolverine to get him to rejoin their team. However, th- their general, Chasen, has a more sinister agenda to retrieve Wolverine's animantium skeleton mm-hmm. at any cost. Ooh. Guest cast for this includes... Melissa Sue Anderson as Snowbird. Harvey Atkin as Dr. Walter Lankowski, a.k.a. Sasquatch. Barry Flatman as James McDonald Hudson, a.k.a. Vindicator. Don Franks as Eugene Milton Judd, a.k.a. Puck. And as Dr. Michael Tuyungman, a.k.a. Shaman. Mm. David Hemblin as Magneto. Rebecca Jenkins as Heather McNeil Hudson. Renee Lemois as Jean-Paul Barbier, a.k.a. Northstar. Mm-hmm. And Megan Smith Harris, sorry, Megan Smith Harris as Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Trivia for this one. This is the debut of Alpha Flight members, mm-hmm. Vindicator, Sasquatch, Shaman, Snowbird, Puck, and Heather Hudson. Northstar and Aurora appeared previously in X-Men the Animated Series episode Slave Island. During the first season. Yes. The Professor, Dr. Cornelius, General Chasen, and Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Cameos for the, in this one are Domino, Nightcrawler, Archangel, Cannonball, Psylocke, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch when Jean is using Cerebro to find Professor X. Mm-hmm. Shaman pulled a large staff out of his magic satchel. This is similar to other Marvel characters, Slapstick and Deadpool, who have used similar gloves or satchels. Mm. The animation process for this is called Hammer Space, taking a large object out of a small space, Mm. a.k.a. Bugs Bunny, Mm -hmm. the most uh, famous user of Hammer Space. Yes. Uh, Department H is a branch of the Canadian government that sanctioned and supported and monitored all the superhuman activity in Canada. It also oversaw the superhuman team, Alpha Flight. Mm. And it's probably the first time I have, and probably the only time I've ever heard of Canada being the villains is in this show. Mm. (laughs) Is in X-Men. Gotcha. Because you don't normally hear about Canada doing anything nefarious. No. For some reason. True. Uh, After Wolverine is captured by Alpha Flight, he awakens shackled to a table without the upper part of his costume. But after a brief flashback, he's so... While he's still shown shackled to that table, he's now in full costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode is based on X-Men number 121 and the Marvel Comics Presents ser- a Serial Weapon X. This episode, which fe- focuses on Wolverine's history, was written by Len Wein, the comic book writer who created Wolverine in Incredible Hulk number 181, though he makes a cameo at the end of Incredible Hulk number 180 back in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The writer of Wolf, the creator of Wolverine wrote this episode. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Indeed. That's uh, all I've got for trivia. So what are your thoughts on this episode? I, I've so I've 
these two episodes I love because they focus on other characters. Obviously, they focus on Wolverine. We get to understand where his adamantium came from. Both of these episodes do not have Storm in them. No, there's no Storm (laughs) whatsoever. None whatsoever. Now, her actress is in the next episode. Yes. But, But. (laughs) But, like, overall, it's a good story because there again, we get more character develop we get more growth from wolverine as a character welcome her wait she's not drawn in the x-men is he she's just a kid wolverine i have to put i had to put that bit of storm saying wolverine at the end yeah because otherwise you wouldn't know it was him (laughs) (laughs) thank you pride of the x-men for making australia hugh jackman before he was Making Australia, making Wolverine Hugh Jackman before Hugh Jackman was Wolverine. You're welcome, Ashley. <laughs> but I really enjoy this episode. There again, you get introduced to Alpha Flight. There again, what I understood of X Men and Spider Man and all this great stuff, our Batman traditionally was from these shows. Yeah. And so this all the superhero shows from this era literally is what how I know all these characters. Yeah, exactly. Because so I, I didn't have comic books as a kid. So yeah, neither. Batman, Superman, uh, anything that was introduced through the Bruce Tim animated universe. Mm-hmm. That's how I know anything from DC. X-Men, the Fantastic Four show that most people don't remember. Yeah. Spider-Man. I think there was also an Iron Man show, but I didn't there, watch there was, it. There was an Iron Man There was show. an Iron Man. Yeah, because they actually put the Iron Man theme song in Iron Man. They did. And I didn't know that because I didn't watch the Iron Man show as yeah. a kid. For whatever reason. Yeah. I don't think it aired around here, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I remember watching it. But new And of course, 1960 Spider-Man. Of course. 80 Spider-Man, what have you. All of the Spider-Men. Yeah. So I knew about all these superheroes from that, from all from all this stuff, never the comics. So when I, people tell me about the comics, it's like, that's not the character I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But in this one, we do get more of an origin who Wolverine. We actually hear Logan for once. Yeah, they actually call him Logan. Yeah. I haven't and, heard that in a, in a bit. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I find this fascinating because they actually are focusing on other characters. And this one with Wolverine, obviously mm-hmm. the next one with with uh, Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Gambit. And I really enjoy when they start doing character-focused stories. Yes. Minus, you know, the dozen or times they've talked about Storm. Which the problem is a good character. The problem with the storm focus is the fact that all through season one, we did not have character specific episodes. True. It was always the team. And because storm is traditionally the leader of the team when Cyclops isn't there, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of focus on her as the leader in those instances, or at least the leader of the B group. Uh Uh-huh. And there was just a lot of instances was like, oh, she's we can have her crest. We'll show her off her uh her her uh claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. Oh uh yeah, and, and it just so happens like one of the first story uh, character focused episodes in season two mm-hmm. was a storm episode. Yes. It's like he could have waited till the end of this to pull that off, but whatever. I'm happy we're getting a Wolverine and a yes. Gam- two Gambit episodes. And I think from what I've seen, the next couple episodes are more individual character-based instead of group-based. Yeah, There I are agree. times when the group's going to come together. And, of course, we still get all these great moments of Magneto mm-hmm. and and, a, and Professor Xavier exactly. walking through the Savage Lands with no explanation of what's going on. 
other than somehow Magneto caused the Savage Lands to happen. Yes. And we don't know why. why also, yes. I think it's this episode we first hear the word mutate. Yes. Instead of uh, to refer to not to non-X-gene mutants. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Yes. For those who don't know, there's five types of characters in Marvel. Aliens, humans, mutants, mutates, and mutant mutates. Yes. <laughs> Technically alien mutates, but no one pays attention to them. Yeah. Because they're just mutants. They're just, they're just aliens. Anyway. Yeah. The episode is really good because they're going you get more story driven. You the 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 opening is so weird because like Heather? Heather? <laughs> I was like, who is he talking about? Who's- yeah, I know. This episode started going, did I miss something from the end of the last episode? Yeah. Who who's Heather? <laughs> it's like Samantha from Frozen 2. Yes, like, I know Samantha. Samantha? <laughs> It's one of those moments, but then it's like, okay, they start building up to who this character was and the the origin of Wolverine, how he got his adamantium mm-hmm. claws. Uh, I think in X Men Origins, Wolverine they do a better job of that. When, well, when, well, the the scene of which where he gets you know the the claws. Yes. Oh, no, X Men Two, X Men Two is far better. But X Men Two is far better. Yes, because you bring up X Men Origins Wolverine, I'm going bone claws the dumbest thing they ever did either yeah either or. i don't like bone claws fair because they would have been worthless before he got the adamantium eh, you still cut with them they were not really claws they weren't sharp oh they it were got- sharp <laughs> no they weren't not till it was adamantium he got the adamantium on it okay they were just like three fingers that would shoot out from bet- from his hands where the claws should be and he couldn't and I think he even hurt, even got hit by it one, one time. Possibly. And it actually hurt him a lot. Mm. Yes, he healed because he's Wolverine, right. but they weren't the uh, offensive weapon they would be later on. I got you. Is all I'm getting at. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so... We're this... not here to talk about no <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Either or, this is a good episode. I, I enjoy it where we get more focused character stories. Um, especially everybody's favorite, you know, Wolverine character, Wolverine. Yes. We get more of who he is and why he's the way he is in some ways. Alpha Flight, I'm like, when I was a kid, I was like, who what is these kids? Who who what are all these cats, eh? Uh and then it's just like, oh, okay, that's who these is because who these is. Who they are. Who they are. Who they are is They're Wolverine's old team. Yeah, the Wolverine's old team. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's cool. Didn't understand who they were. I was an adult. I do understand who they are. Led by by Canada's Captain America knockoff. Yeah. Because everyone has a Captain America knockoff. Yeah. Including the Russians. <laughs> yes. Including the Russians. <laughs> yeah. But not going to get into that again because yeah. that cracks, cracks him up too much. It does. So, either way, good, uh, very, very good story. This is actually a great story. It's the start of the Weapon X storyline mm-hmm. in many ways because it is trying to is showing Wolverine's backstory without mm-hmm. really going into Wolverine's backstory. They even call him Weapon X in this. Yeah, they do. Which I think is might be the first time they did that. Mm-hmm. But in in the show, but uh, it's just doing so much, so so good a job of getting letting you know who these character who, who Wolverine is. They don't go deep into his backstory. They're going to get into that much later or not much later but like next season i believe mm-hmm. but this season we got it's, it's just a nice story of wolverine going to help 
someone think he's going to help someone gets betrayed and then wolverine gets to be wolverine and mm-hmm. gets help from uh his old team and let me i need to talk about one character okay. on that old team that i find absolutely stupid and ridiculous mm. puck oh puck yeah puck is literally a hockey puck or at least his costume makes him look like that he does and i'm going could you find anything more racist isn't the word because canadians stereotyping? are stereotyping you find anything more stereotypical about canada than a hockey puck a bowling ball i mean maybe if he actually if he fought with a hockey stick yeah maybe that would be worse but that's no, like no he's got a black costume with like a sports font uh p on the front of it it's like you look ridiculous puck agreed if he you're going to be called puck draw dress up like the the one from midsummer night's dream it still won't make any sense true but at least you're not being stereotypical <laughs> against mm-hmm. canada yes and it would make far less because let's face it no one else in alpha fly except for maybe sasquatch mm-hmm. really fits that whole we're canadian superhero vibe yeah they could be from anywhere uh, but then great. you got sasquatch which makes sense because he's he's your beast motif or your beast hulk thing uh type character mm-hmm. and then you got puck someone who looks like he, he probably gets kicked around slapped around a lot with a wood with a giant piece of wood <laughs> looks like the kind of character who is hit around who he's the red shirt of that group oh, except like, he keeps coming back yeah he keeps coming back i just have a suspicion <laughs> everyone else is like yeah you're interesting characters you have interesting power sets i i can't wait to see you in the future but right now i have no idea who any of you are and you other than and you're pretty much one character in seven bodies except for vindicator and you're just angry captain america basically yeah you're not wrong so yeah that's my thoughts on this episode cool also what's with banshee down there in the savage lands psychic banshee i can, I don't remember her name that this oh, episode yeah, is in yeah. the next i think it's this episode I- it could be they don't each one of these episodes has like a short moment in the savage lands and i i I get them confused but i think this is the one that has her has a yeah vertigo that's who i'm thinking of yeah i would love to know what magneto really did to these people that caused all this trouble and why can they not escape the savage lands true Anyway, you ready to jump to the next episode? Yeah, let's jump jump into the you know, Bayou Country. Yes. Externally Yours, which aired on December 4th, 1993, directed by Larry Houston and written by Julianne Clem. Every 10 years, the Assassin's Guild and the Thieves Guild must give an offering to a supernatural being called the External in exchange for power. When it comes to Gambit's brother, Bobby, who was to offer the tithing this time, he comes up missing. The Assassin's Guild wants to exchange him for Gambit so he can finally come face to face with the woman he left at the altar 10 years before. Now, the thing with this one is I do have two uh, people in the guest cast. One is Magneto, of course, which is Bobby David Hemblin, and the other is Bob Zadell as Barbarous, which is the guy that they come across in the Savage Lands that 
wants to fight him because they hate Magneto. Oh, yeah. Because that's essentially all that those Savage Lands things are right now. It's like, oh, Magneto screwed us. We're going to kill both of you. Yeah. We're just going to see how much Magneto really hurt all these people. Everyone else in this episode is voiced by other characters mm-hmm. who didn't, other actors whose normal, the main actors whose normal characters are not in this episode. True. And I don't have them listed. <laughs> But Aurora is basically the actress who played Aurora. Mm-hmm. She's basically playing uh, the external. Mm-hmm. Jubilee's actress is playing uh, the the the, the, the the girl that woman left at the altar right. in the Assassin's Guild. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who voices Beast is voicing one of the other people in the Assassin's Guild, I believe, or the Thieves Guild. I don't remember which one. That's the thing. I don't know who specifically, which is why I didn't list them, because IMDb didn't list it. And for whatever reason, after we passed like episode six of season one, mm. all information on this show just like dwindled to as minute to as little as absolutely possible on the internet. Okay, and I have no idea why. So yeah, I you're lucky I'm getting trivia at all, to be honest. But speaking of that trivia, this is the debut of Bobby LeBeau, Belladonna, the External, and Barbarous. And this episode is based upon the Gambit four issue miniseries which was published literally around the same time this episode first aired. Though in it, Gambit's brother is named Henry instead of Bobby. Mm. Because they kept saying Bobby, and I kept thinking, Iceman's here? Yeah. Bobby Drake? Bobby is, Bobby Drake is, because he never said the last name. Yeah. They just kept saying Bobby. I'm thinking the only Bobby I know from the X-Men universe is Iceman. And admittedly, Iceman's not been in the show yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm half expecting him to be Gambit's brother in this for some reason. <laughs> but he's not. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking back to, no, no, it's only Miss uh, Rogue that's from Mississippi. They never actually yeah. said where Bobby was from. Yeah. In the movie. Anyway. Beside the point. Yeah. That's what I've got for the trivia. For oh, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode from louisiana uh so or was it mississippi uh, i couldn't Lu- remember it's louisiana i mean it's, he's obviously cajun but the cajuns technically go into mississippi a little agreed a agreed. little a little so this episode was interesting because watching it i, I saw the animation change slightly like yeah. the, the character for rogue was different and be like like every other character it's like they're off model a little bit slightly it's almost like they uh changed the models that changed the art style yeah at this point for some reason i have to keep watching like in the next couple episodes to see if they're still on that style art but yeah it's almost like we hit the actual split between season one and season two between these two episodes which we didn't but right it's about the change you expect to see there also, the animation smoothed out a lot. It did smooth with out this lot. episode. It's almost like uh, Disney Plus was d- did some testing on like deinterlacing, or somebody deinterlaced this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, take out the interlace that you yes. had to have been there in its original airing, and so that it would play better on our modern televisions. Yeah. But I mean, like it, like it, this looked like. It looked like the episodes of Godzilla 
uh, the series. Okay. That came out in like the late nineties. Yeah. So that's the thought process there. Okay. It kind of looked more like that level of animation instead of first season X-Men. Yeah. But overall be like, it's a good story. It'd be like there again, we get more Remy. We get more, you know, you know, Gambit. Yes. And uh, we get him understand like where he's from, what be like, not his motivation, but it's the, the, uh, the, the, the quote unquote, the rogue character who doesn't need help that. Yeah. You know, eventually does rely on his friends to mm -hmm. you know get him out of the situation he's in, but also Remy is also trying to look out for his family, that because it's family, even yeah. though it's be like he's kind of turned his back on him, but he's still got to try to help his brother out. Though I have to love the beginning of this episode when Cyclops is in the danger room, and oh, yeah. Gambit is uh in that control Monitoring. center, and, and he. Uh, Cyclops says to turn it up, and so he turns it up a little, but then he gets the phone call and accidentally bumps it off to maximum. And apparently, maximum danger in the danger room is <laughs> is apocalypse. Every villain, every epoch. It's like everyone. The juggernaut is there. Yes. Uh, oh shoot the 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 red samurai guy from the last episode last week. Oh, um, uh, Omega Red. Commercial. Omega Red. Yeah. It's like all these guys. It's like, dude. <laughs> Just shove every final villain from this show and that's been in this movie in this show so far. Mm -hmm. Just in the and for and the, no wonder Cyclops got knocked out. You Wolverine couldn't have survived that. True. And he's got healing. <laughs> the only people you left person you left out was Magneto. And we know why you left Magneto out. He was never really a villain in the show. True. He's only a villain for two episodes. <laughs> And a half of another, but still. Yeah. Overall, good episode. Very well done. Animation did go up. Did go up a, a lot. Yeah. It changed a bit. But there again, we'll also see in later episodes. Mm -hmm. Did that change? Did this alter the the animation style in the series, or, or was the, this like a one-time thing when they were exactly. making this episode? Exactly. So yeah, that that is the episodes we reviewed for TS. Mm -hmm. What I am liking right now mm -hmm. about these character episodes is they are expanding the universe past just the heroes. Yeah, agreed. There, it's really starting to feel like there is more to this universe. Yes, we've had cameos from uh, Ghost Rider and Captain America and a couple other characters, especially in this episode with like mm -hmm. every third tertiary x-men character when uh gene was looking for mm -hmm. for for a uh, wolverine or for, for uh, not wolverine but during that episode looking for uh xavier. Professor xavier so i mean you do get it, it does it's starting to feel like this is a world and not this is a town where everything happens happens to happen yeah you know what i mean yes it, it makes the idea that the Sentinels were a threat actually feel like they actually were a threat mm -hmm. to everyone. It makes, it makes it more understandable why they brought the Sentinels up when the whole world is like this, mm -hmm. because so far all we knew was New York was like this. Yeah. Cause season one just took place in New York <laughs> for the most part. Very true. Some stuff in, in DC, but it's like mm -hmm. still one mostly New York. And one episode in the Arctic. Yeah, one episode in the Arctic for no reason. <laughs> oh, there was a reason. But anyway, 
I think that's going to be it for us yes. tonight. Uh, next week we have a two-parter coming up on the next two for the next two episodes. If I can get there. Uh, next week we are going to be watching Time Fugitives number one and number two parts one and two. Hmm. I am assuming Cable's coming back, or Bishop, or both. <laughs> Maybe it's Nimrod. Who knows? So join us next week for that, along with, of course, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Uh, other than that, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast on Twitter at cast underscore cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. it all the way to the third grade for nothing fascinating <laughs>